We're back in Riverside, California. Let's take a look at the starting lineup. We're not too far away from getting this one under green here. Back in 41st position, starting on a provisional starting spot, the car was qualified by Rick McRae of Bloomington, California. We understand Bob Kennedy of 1000 Oaks, California, will start the Ehrlich Motor Chevrolet back there. 40th spot is Bud Hickey of St. Helens, Oregon, in the V. Lee stick-only Chevrolet. 39th, rookie driver Eddie Beerswall of San Antonio, Texas, the U.S. Racing Chevrolet. Starting 38th is John Sores of Castro Valley, California, the RPM Racing Pontiac. 37th, Clark Dwyer, Colorado Springs, Colorado. He's in the Sunny King Racing Ford. 36th on the grid today is Bill Osborne of Rialto, California, and the Hack Manikers Racing Buick. Starting 35th is Derek Cope of Spanaway, Washington, the 711 Ford. Starting 34th, Scott Autry of San Angelo, Texas, and the OP McIntosh Oldsmobile. Starting 33rd, Buddy Arrington of Martinsville, Virginia, and the Venton Motors Racing Ford. 32nd starter, James Hilton, qualified the car. We understand Trevor Boys will now start that machine, the Canadian driver, in the Jim Testa Racing Chevrolet. 31st, Bill Smith of Redding, California, in the California Cooler Chevy. 30th will be Phil Parsons out of Denver, North Carolina, the Eckerd Drug Skull Bandit Chevrolet. Then Blair Aiken of Lakeport, California, the Stoke Racing Chevy. Ken Schrader, the rookie point leader from Fenton, Missouri, and Junie Donlevy's Sonny King Ford will start 28th. 27th, Ron Esau of Lakeside in the McDonald's Chevrolet. 26th, Jimmy Means of Forest City, North Carolina, the Broadway Motors Pontiac. 25th, out of Valley Park, Missouri, Rusty Wallace, the Alugard Spectrum Furniture Pontiac. 24th, in the Miller Diegard Racing Buick, Greg Sachs of Manitouk, New York. Starting 23rd, J.D. McDuffie of Sanford, North Carolina, the Rumpel Furniture Pontiac. Buddy Baker of Kannapolis, North Carolina, in the Liquid Wrench Bullfrog Knits Oldsmobile goes 22nd. 21st qualifying position for Richard Petty out of Randleman, North Carolina, in the STP Pontiac. 20th, right in the middle of the field, is Bobby Hillen, Jr. of Midland, Texas, in the Trap Rock Industry Chevrolet of the Stavola Brothers. 19th, Dave Marcus, Skyland, North Carolina, the AEL Reynolds Transmission Chevrolet. Starting in 18th spot, Ruben Garcia of San Demias, California, the Suncrest Motorhomes Racing Chevrolet. 17th, Herschel McGriff of Bridal Vale, Oregon, and the Wall Auction and Stanton Racing Pontiac. Starting 16th, Jim Robinson of North Hollywood, California, the Hammer Security Racing Oldsmobile. 15th is Glenn Stewart of Semi Valley, California, and the Hooper Stick Racing Chevrolet. Starting 14th, Jim Bown of Portland, Oregon, and the Wholesale Truck Racing Chevrolet. 13th, Neil Bonnet. He's from Bessemer, Alabama, in the Budweiser Chevy of Junior Johnson. In 12th position, Lake Speed of Jackson, Mississippi, in the Nationwide Pontiac. And starting 11th is Jeff Bonine of Julian, North Carolina, the Levi Garrett Chevrolet. And starting in the 10th spot, Ron Bouchard of Fitchburg, Massachusetts. He's in his last ride in the Jack BB car today after five years of driving that machine, the Valvoline Buick. Ninth will be Kyle Petty out of Ramble, North Carolina. He's in the 7-Eleven Ford of the Wood Brothers. Going eighth, Harry Gant from Taylorsville, North Carolina, the Kmart School, Kmart School Bandit Chevrolet. Seventh will be Dale Earnhardt from Mooresville, North Carolina, the Wrangler GM Goodwrench Parts Chevrolet. Bobby Allison qualified sixth in his Miller Quaker State Buick from Hueytown, Alabama. The Winston Cup point runner-up Bill Elliott from Dawsonville, Georgia. The Coors Melling Ford Thunderbird will start fifth. Going fourth, Ricky Rudd of Chesapeake, Virginia, and Bud Moore's Motorcraft Ford Thunderbird. Darrell Waltrip, the point leader from Franklin, Tennessee, and the Junior Johnson Budweiser Chevrolet will start in the third position. Let's go to Ned Jarrett. Well, he's talking right now with Jeff Hammond, the crew chief on this car, as they shake hands and uh, get ready to go. Darrell, are you ready? I think so, Ned. Uh... You know, it's a real kind of emotional moment right now, and a lot of butterflies in his stomach, and I uh, just want to get started. Everybody's done the best they can do, and I just thank the Lord for having this opportunity to, to win a championship. Well, good luck out there. Thank you, and say hello to everybody back home in Franklin and Owensboro and, and Vero Beach.
Vero Beach. <laughs> <laughs> the man is uptight a little bit. He has yeah. been all week, and the pressure is tremendous running for what he and Bill Elliott are, and they're both kind of downplaying it, and Walter was very loose at a press conference here yesterday, but a lot of that is kind of an upfront deal, and it's just you could hear it right in his voice just a minute ago talking to Ned. There is some butterflies there. Yeah, yesterday he said the two dogs were sitting home, and they had butterflies. He was loose then, but a little different now. Let's take a look at the front row. On the outside pole, Tim Richmond in his last drive for the Raymond Beetle team, the old Milwaukee Blue Max Racing Pontiac. Richmond from Ashland, Ohio, is on the outside pole. And the new track record holder at 116.93 miles per hour is Terry Labonte of Corpus Christi, Texas. The Piedmont Airlines A&W Trucking Chevrolet, the defending Winston Cup champion, is sitting on the pole, and Jerry Punch is there. Terry in the car. Terry, last year you won the championship here. A lot of pressure was on you. This year the pressure is not here, but you want to win this Winston Western 500. Well, we sure do. You know, last year was a lot different situation uh, coming into this race, but this year, uh, you know, we've still got an awful good car and everything, and it's running awful good. And uh, I don't know. We're just going to try to win the race. That's all we got left to try for. You heard the comments. Daryl said he wants to lead a lap early, so you know he's coming. Well, you know, uh, yeah, I'm sure he'll be tough. I'm sure the first few laps of the race will be uh, be pretty close because I know Tim's going to run awful hard. And, of course, Daryl and Bill will, will want to both lead a lap. So it should be interesting. Well, let them go. They're getting ready to fire them up down here, Barney. As they fire the field here at Riverside, California, they'll make a lap or so before they put them under green. We'll be back for the start of the Winston Western 500. Back at Riverside, California, and all the field has fired. 41 cars have just pulled on to this nine-turn road course and will now make a couple of preliminary laps around before they put them under green here this afternoon. As we said, there are an awful lot of factors that will play into this race this afternoon. Quickly, we will point out that NASCAR has waived the tire rule change here. You will be allowed to change four tires at any particular time during the race, not only under caution, green, whatever. And that is a wise decision, I think, uh, because a lot of the drivers were concerned, as you pointed out, Mike, when we first came on, that Riverside does not have a guardrail right up against the asphalt itself. You can run out in the dirt and kick up some stones and whatever and could cut a tire very easily. Probably easier here than any place on this circuit with the amount of dirt and dust and, and small stones and things that get up on the racetrack and the cars that get off the racetrack. Uh, so they have waived the tire rule. I think that's a good move because nobody here would like to see this championship decided or even this race decided by a cut tire that would cost a driver a lap or perhaps a minute or so in the pits. It's hard to make up a lap here. It's a long way around this racetrack. And the lap times are long. A minute 20 to a minute 24 seconds is about what they'll run during the race today. And that's a long time around here. At the halfway point, 60 laps, they'll be giving away $10,000 from Barclays American. For the leader of the halfway point, we'll also keep your praise to that one as it comes up as Harold Kinder grabs those flags to cross them and give them the cross flag sign. Right now, NASCAR's chief starter is holding one finger in the air, and that means we'll go racing next time by as the cars come past the start-finish straight here, real short, 1,000-foot straight away as they head into the left-hand turn number one. It's about a 30-degree left-hand corner that gets the cars just a little tipsy as they come down another short straightaway, about 1,200 feet before they get down to turn two. And the S's, that's where Eli Gold is high atop the Goodyear Tower. Mike, and as those cars come through the S's, it is appropriately termed because there are bends in the road back and forth as though the letter S was laid on its side. The cars make a right-hander into turn number two, a left-hander into three. They then begin going uphill through turn number four and turn five, still jockeying back and forth. The drivers who get through here well say they try and straighten out the turn as much as they can, kind of like a high-speed snake through the Southern California desert. That's the story at the Essence. It's a critical spot. If you mess up here, you could be off pace for the entire lap. As they get up to the top of that hill in the sharp right-hand turn, number six, one of the West Coast's most renowned racing sportscasters, Bob Steinbrink. 
Turn six is very demanding on brakes. It is a left hand into it and a right hand out of it, a 90-degree turn. You have to hit the brakes very hard at turn five at the bottom of the hill. Then up the hill you come. On the inside, there's a good dirt runoff area. On the outside, there is a wall. You don't want to hit that. From six to turn eight, it's about 700 feet. It is downhill and then uphill into turn eight. Turn eight, very difficult, shaped like the right half of a keyhole, right, and then a decreasing radius right, and then a left onto the back straightaway. After they get through that left, making his first visit to California, New Hampshire's Dave Sutherland. And they'll come down through this 1.3-mile backstretch, going up through the gears at reaching speeds of about 160 to perhaps 175 miles an hour as they come down this undulating stretch. The undulating backstretch will dip down right where we are, about six feet underneath the bridge, and then they'll dart left into turn nine. Well, they come out from underneath that Bosch spark plug bridge, and they still have about 2,000, 3,000 feet to go before they get to turn number nine, and that is a sharp right-hand turn. It's not a 180-degree turn like on most oval tracks, but it's more than that. It's about 200 degrees. And, Barney, I guess you spend more time in turn nine than any part of this racetrack. Well, you definitely do, and that's the critical corner on the speedway. Coming down into there, you're running at a, a good 170 miles an hour at the end of that back chute, and you have to gear down, and it's a place where if you miss a gear shift, you can float the valves in that engine or do some serious damage to it and find yourself sitting in the garage area for the rest of the day, and all the drivers are very much aware of that. Looks like we're getting set for a start in the Winston Western 500 as the field comes out of turn number nine. Congressman McCandless is the Grand Marshal of the Winston Western 500, and he's about set to wave the green flag. He does, and we're underway. Terry Labonte gets a good break on the start as they head up into the S's. They cross turn one. They'll go single file among the first seven or eight cars as they head for the S's in turn two. The only man out of line is Bill Elliott, who back in fourth position has to yield to Ricky Rudd, and Elliott tucks in the fifth. Back in sixth is Bobby Allison. Seventh place is side by side. Harry Gant just chops off the nose of Earnhardt, so Gant is in seventh. Single file up to turn six. Labonte leads him into turn six. One car length over Tim Richmond. The field getting through the S's in very good shape, kicking up a little bit of dust, but not very much. Down the chute between turn six and turn eight. They don't use turn seven in this configuration of Riverside. Labonte leads them out of turn eight. Labonte slows, now brings it through that turn eight, cutting back toward the straightaway. Labonte, the first man into the straightaway, Richmond behind him. As they come down, they come to the near side of the straightaway, up through the gears, and start pouring off that turn. Think of race cars, it's Labonte, Richmond, Walton, then Rudd, Elliott, and Allison as they head for the bridge. It'll be single file as they zip out from under the bridge and head back to turn number nine. Labonte ahead of Tim Richmond by some seven or eight car lengths. It's about a half a second back to Darrell Waltrip and Ricky Rudd and Bill Elliott as they work in the middle of turn number nine. They pin it right to the bottom of the racetrack, and they'll run single file for a lap or so as they work out of the corner. Coming off turn number nine again, Labonte will have the lead. He'll lead the first lap of the Winston Western 500. Richmond sits in second. They've got about an eight-car length advantage on Waltrip. Ricky Rudd is right on Waltrip's bumper. So, too, is Elliott as Bobby Allison moves to the inside on Harry Gant, and they're going to be side-by-side side as they head for the S's. Gant to the advantage. That's the battle for sixth spot. Harry comes off the high side as the track narrows into the S's. Gant has six. Allison, seven. Earnhardt, eighth. Everybody single file. Bouchard, ninth. Kyle Petty, tenth. Lake Speed runs 11th. Twelfth is Jeff Bodine. Neil Bonnet throwing in the car through the turn. He's running 12th. Coming through turn six, and they're now getting the tires heated up and really starting to stand on it as Kyle Petty has uh, Ron Bouchard looking right into the back of his car. Bobani's still a leader going into turn eight. 
Holds on to that lead as he comes through turn eight. Wobbles a little bit as he starts to exit onto the straightaway, but he's in good shape now. Richmond still not able to cape him as the car stays single file coming through turn eight and down this long, long backstretch. They run right to the edge of the racetrack on the inside, and Walter would like to lead a lap, but still not able to quite get up to your leader. Well, the field sorts itself out a bit here at Riverside, California. Labonte now enjoys about a six-car length advantage on Tim Richmond. As they break for turn nine, Richmond cuts that in half. Cuts it down to a car length and a half. It's about seven or eight back to Waltrip, then Rudd, then Elliott, Harry Gant, and Dale Earnhardt is now moved up. Earnhardt climbs up to the seventh position. Bobby Allison comes along in eighth. Ninth is Ron Bouchard. As the leaders come to the start-finish stripe, Richmond begins to put the pressure on. While back in tenth spot is Lake Speed, 11th Bodine, 12th is Bonnet, 13th is Kyle Petty. Leaders headed for the S's. And they're going single file. The front two cars, Labonte and Richmond, off the course just a mite as they kick up some dirt. Darrell Waltrip now begins to close. Darrell taking it all the way to the inside, then the outside of the S's, going across the ripple strips. He's within four car lengths of second spot. Coming into turn six, Waltrip chops it down to three car lengths, going over the ripple strip, the alligator teeth on the inside of six. A little fishtailing coming out of it as he closes down on Richmond, and Richmond closing down on Labonte as they come into the slowest turn on the circuit, turn number eight. Walter moves up onto the back bumper of Richmond as they start battling for second place now. Waltrip needs to get up front and take a lap if he can do it. Labonte leads him out of turn eight and down the back stretch again. Labonte on top and beginning to accelerate away from Tim Richmond. He's a good seven or eight, perhaps ten car length away from Richmond now. They pull away from Ricky Rudd, Bill Alley, and Harry Gant, then back to Earnhardt, Allison, and Bouchard. Single file all the way back among at least the top ten positions, and Ned's that's really the way, Ned, that's really the way they need to run the first few laps, as Darrell said, kind of let the butterflies go away, feel the car out, and somewhere around the 10th lap, if they run true to form here at Riverside, we'll start seeing an awful lot of passing. Well, I think so, Barney. Certainly, they need to feel their automobile out, see how it is handling today in actual competition. Of course, they've had a lot of practice here, but that's still not like being out there in competition with all the cars on the racetrack, and they do need to feel it out, and that's what they're doing now, running in single file. Not that many places on this racetrack that you can pass, so you sort of size each other up, and when that 10 or so laps goes, you figure, okay, now I know where I can get it. Got a lot of racing remaining here at Riverside, and we'll be here to cover it all day for you. Sir, are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top nine miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. The NASCAR season is here, and Toyota Racing is looking for clashers. Did you clash at the Coliseum with your favorite Toyota drivers? Clashing with the HOA, who won't let you carve bell number 20 into your lawn. Or maybe your Tyler Reddick shirt clashed with your pants while meeting the in-laws. If you're a clasher, then we want you. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. Outdoor care to home and auto repair. Do it with Craftsman. Find the tools, equipment, and storage you need at your local Lowe's, Ace Hardware, or Craftsman.com. 
Terry Labonte is still the leader. He's pulled away now from Darrell Walker, who's moved up into the second spot by a healthy margin of better than a couple of seconds. Ricky Rudd is still third. Bill Elliott's fourth. Fifth is Harry Gant. Dale Earnhardt is sixth. Seventh is Bobby Allison. And falling back in the pack right now, the old Milwaukee car of Tim Richmond a little bit off the pace as he moves up to Eli Gold. He is now behind Bobby Allison by about 10 car lanes and quickly closing in behind him are Bodine, Lake Speed, Neil Bonnet, and Ron Bouchard. Richmond normally slings the car back and forth through the S's. He's now taking what seems to be a more conservative line. Those other cars are catching him up near six. Unexpected pit stop for Kyle Petty. Let's go to pit road. It is an unexpected pit stop. Apparently a tire is flat on the left rear, Mike. They had to change engines on that 7-Eleven Ford this morning. They just barely got it out on the line. They had some water coming out the exhaust pipe. Didn't want to take a chance, so they changed the engine. But now they're jacking up the left side of the car, so Kyle is going to find himself behind. And Jerry Punch has made his way down to the Tim Richmond pits. Barry Dotson standing here in the old Milwaukee pits. And, Barry, uh, what's the problem? The car is dropping back just a little bit. Uh, yeah, we picked up a motor miss. We don't know what it is. Uh, maybe we can hang on, get a caution, and get it fixed. It, it may be a rocker arm or distributor or something. Trouble on Bill Elliott's car. Elliott slows going into turn number nine. The car is way off the pace. He has dropped to about six or seventh spot, running at perhaps two-thirds the normal speed required to get to that turn, and certainly Elliott will be coming to pit road. Here he comes out of turn number nine. He'll nurse it in behind those cones and zip onto pit road. It could be a tire, could be something major. We'll follow that and find out as Elliott brings the Coors Melling Thunderbird onto pit road, certainly an unscheduled pit stop. Let's go back to pit road. Well, it is an unscheduled pit stop, Barney Hall. The car was running as it came by our position to go to the left side of the Coors Ford. Apparently, he has run over something and cut a tire. Meanwhile, Kyle Petty is still in the pits with the left side of his car jacked up, so it's a little bit more than a tire. Jerry Punch will check on that in a moment while they continue to work on Bill Elliott's car to try to get him back out there. But for the fans back on the East Coast, they can pit under green here and not have to worry about losing a lap as long as it's a normal pit stop, say a 20 or 25-second pit stop. They can still stay in the lead lap. They're still working on Elliott's car, though, so that's a little bit longer than I'm sure that he would hope to, but he's still got some time as far as not losing a lap. Two of the major problems they've had on that car this year, Mike Joy, has been in the transmission and drivetrain, and again, they go on the creeper and crawl up underneath that car. That's not a good sign. Well, they did as well with Kyle Petty's car. Leonard Wood was under the car. Kyle is coming out of the pits very slowly as if he may have lost the lower gears. Mike, that's exactly what happened. Leonard Wood is here with me. Leonard, uh, is it a transmission problem? Yeah, it uh, wasn't going high gear. So all he's got is high gear right now. Well, they jacked the car up, put it in high gear. He's down and away, but it won't be very good for this road course, Mike. So they've locked that car in high gear for Kyle Petty. Meanwhile, Elliott's car is now being jacked down slowly. He is still on pit road, and he loses a lap as the leader heads down into the S's. The leader passing us, and this is almost an impossible racetrack to make a lap up on. Certainly anything's possible, but Labonte passes us. Waltrip now in second spot, and he's starting to close in. Let's put him about 10 car lanes down to the race leader. And that shortens up as they go into turn six, which you would figure a very slow turn. Both car drivers hurl their over the alligator teeth on the inside and down the chute, and Waltrip is closing down, going into turn eight. It's down to about five car leaks. Around the right-hander they go, tucking in very tight. A difficult turn, decreasing radius. Waltrip's had his problems there in the past. Onto the back straight they come. They take the Bill Elliott car behind pit wall to work on the transmission. Ned or Jerry will have a report for us there just as soon as they're able. Mike, we caught up with Bill Elliott behind the wall, and uh, Bill, uh, can you tell us what's the problem, Bill? Something's wrong with third and fourth. Can't get it in third and fourth gear at all? No. 
When I was jacking the car up and Bill sitting in the car, you can hear his voice, the crew talking to him, we'll back out of the way, but tough luck for the Coors Four. Mike and Barney, that is one fear that the drivers have, especially when they're under a pressure situation like Darrell Waltrip and Bill Elliott here today trying to win the Winston Cup championship. One of the big fears is the transmission. That's the, the part of the car that gives you the most trouble on this racetrack. You just can't afford to miss a shift or anything. You have to be so smooth here because that engine goes from fairly low RPM to up around 7,800. And if you're not really in sync on the thing and miss a shift, anything can really knock you out of this race. And apparently it's caught Bill Elliott early here this afternoon. Still a long day, though. They'll work on that car and try to get him back out there. And Waltrip knows he could have the same problem. That was a big concern of his. Meanwhile, Darrell Waltrip is gaining on Terry Labonte for the lead down at the other end of the race course. Going through turn six, he's now about three car a little uh, tire smoke as he went into the turn. He is really closing down on the Piedmont Chevrolet now going into turn eight. Just into one car length now. Into turn eight as he closes down. They ease their way out of the exit of turn eight and head back onto this long backstretch where they really start to wind it up. And as they come down here, this is about the only place that Labonte's been able to stretch it out. He comes whistling down about a third of the way into the straightaway. He's got a 10-car length lead on Waltrip. It's a long way back to the third-place car of Ricky Rudd, then Harry Gant and Dale Earnhardt running fourth and fifth, and then they have now put a lap on the Kyle Petty car before they get the second place Bobby Allison. So they're pretty well strung out among the top seven or eight cars here, and Bill Elliott told us yesterday afternoon he's now sitting behind the pit wall if you joined our broadcast late with transmission trouble and he was well aware of how easy it is to have a problem at Riverside. You know the thing about it is there's a lot to worry about if you miss a shift if you you know you tear up the engine you tear up the transmission you tear up the rear end and the racetrack's so narrow from two up through the S's through six and eight that you know a little bit of a mistake there and you can run off the racetrack awful easy. And to me, there's a lot of places there that can mess you up, but I'm just never going to drive it like I normally drive it, and I'm going to worry about it. Well, that was the only philosophy he could have, and all of a sudden, he's had problems here in the early going this afternoon, and Bill Elliott's car is behind the wall. They are working on it, trying to get him back out there as Darrell Waltrip is trailing along here in second spot, and you can bet Waltrip's going to turn the wick up because this takes a little pressure off him. Barney, he's not trailing by much less than a car length now going into turn eight. He may try to make his move with that... High torque Chevrolet of Junior Johnson going down the back straightaway. Less than a car length. Now about a car length as they come out of turn eight. If there's any place to pass, it's a backstretch. It's a place to do it. If you can get the man on the inside going into turn nine, you're all set. Right now, he runs about a car length off the bumper of Terry Labonte as they whistle by our stop. And even it looks like Ricky Rudd is beginning to close on them a bit. Waltrip has the lead coming out from under the bridge here and heading for turn number nine. He out didn't outbreak Labonte, but it seemed he kind of out-horsepowered him, had a little more top speed at that point in the course, and Labonte content to let him go and fall in line as they get to turn number nine. So Waltrip is the new race leader. Labonte sits in second spot. Ricky Rudd rides in third. Fourth is Harry Gadd. In fifth is Dale Earnhardt. Jeff Bodine has fought his way up to the sixth position. Bobby Allison slings along in the seventh spot as they come off turn number nine to complete 10 of 119 laps here. So if Allison is seventh, that would put Neil Bonnet eighth right on his bumper. Ninth is Lake Speed. Tenth is Tim Richmond now. Back in 11th, Richard Petty. Twelfth, Ron Bouchard. Thirteenth, first to the West Coast drivers, Jim Bound. Fourteenth is Greg Sachs. We'll be right back. Citywide to countryside, whatever you drive, wherever you go, Hercules has the value, selection, and industry-leading warranty to get you there no matter where the road takes you. Go to HerculesTires.com. There you can find the nearest authorized Hercules retail location to you. Plus, you can use the tire tracker to find out which Hercules tire fits your vehicle the best. 
That's HerculesTires.com. Hercules Tires, ride on our strength. Back in Riverside, California, they may be about to bring Jeff Bodine's Levi Garrett machine onto pit road, and we'll follow that when he makes a stop. Meanwhile, one car that has retired, that of Ron Esau, he's standing by with Ned Jarrett. It's the McDonald's machine number 49, Barney, and he was the Bush second-round fastest qualifier here. Ron, what's your problem? Uh, the engine broke. Well, we're sorry to see you out. We had high hopes for this one today. Yeah, I'd like to thank Tom Spill and McDonald's for helping me get here with James Hilton's car. And, uh, sorry to just end it this way. Okay, so one of the fine West Coast drivers out of it here now. Get scramble going on up front. Let's go to the S's. Give Ricky Rudd second place. He just started around Darrell Waltrip between turns two and three. But meanwhile, they've got a set sail chasing down Levante. They've got a tremendous battle going for second, third, fourth, and fifth. But Labonte is about ten car lengths out in front now as he goes into turn eight. Now Ricky Rudd beginning to close the margin as they go through turn eight. Labonte eases his way out of it, now gets on the gas and hammers it coming down the straightaway. They'll come whistling by here very shortly, and Ricky Rudd's trying to give chase. Harry Gant now sits in the second spot, Waltrip, or third spot rather. Then it's Earnhardt fourth, and Waltrip is back to fifth. And it's a long, long way back up, about a half the straightaway, back to the sixth-place car of Jeff Bodine. Well, Barney, that doesn't surprise me. I think Darrell did what he needed to do. He led a lap, and with Elliott sitting in the pits, he can kind of sit comfortably off that lead and just ride for a bit. And that's exactly what he needs to do. He put his lap away real early, and for the moment, he's not going to race anybody. He'll just ride a while. But you can bet, as Junior said, even if Elliott fell out early, and so did the Elliott, said about the same thing, that if either one of the cars had problems and they were within the top five at the end of the race, they'd go for the victory. Ricky Rudd needs to win a race. He hasn't won one in 1985. Now he's dropped off the pace a bit as the interval between first and second has become a large one up in turn two. It's a large one. They go by us about 12 car lanes of differential. Then another 12 to 14 from Ricky Rudd back in turn four and five now to Harry Gant. The Winston West Championship battle. Herschel McGriff is running 17th. Jim Robinson is now running 23rd after having passed Rusty Wallace and Ruben Garcia. Those cars work their way between turns six and eight right now. Dale Earnhardt making his way in and around Harry Gant, but Gant steps on the gas quickly off turn eight. Gant, blocky move coming out of the eighth turn and now working onto the straightaway as they start down the back straightaway. We had one smoker going by. That was the car of Trevor Boys in number 24. Right now it's Jill Rudd second. Gant third, Earnhardt fourth, Walter fifth, and then a long, long separation back to sixth place car, Jeff Bodine, trailing him in seventh is Neil Bonnet, eighth is Bobby Allison, ninth is Ben Richmond, and tenth is Lake Speed. Trevor Boys is on pit road. They're going to lift the hood on the number 24 Pontiac. Also, Bud Hickey is taking his car to the garage. He's the second retiree. Mike Joy, I'm standing by with Junior Johnson, who owns the Budweiser Chevrolet that Darrell Walter is driving. Junior, he went up there and led the lap, got to his five bonus points. He's just settled back now and going to put a ride for a while. Yeah, Ned, right now is no advantage of us uh, going up there and wrestling tearing them boys because Bill is uh, fixing his transmission. We expect him to come back out. We still got to make sure we finish this race on account of the championship. In the latter part of the race, if we uh, in, you know, a shape, we're going to go up there and try to win the race. I think we have the car to win it, Bill. Okay, Barney and Mike, I don't think that that's a big surprise to hear him say that. No, probably not. But now Terry Labonte is out there running the kind of race he hoped to come here and run because Labonte just may be NASCAR's best road racing driver. He wanted to get out front and stay out front. I really enjoyed running on road courses. I think they're, they're really a challenge and, and they're a lot of fun to run. Uh, 
I don't, you know, I, you just go out and it's a deal where you race the racetrack more than you do the competitors. And if you can, if you can race the track and, and be real smooth and be easy on the equipment, usually you can run fast and have a shot at winning. He's one of the smoothest out here. We watched him in the essays the other day, and his head hardly bobbles coming through there. There's so many different driving styles here at Riverside. Some of the guys really wrestle the car and act almost like they're going to tear the steering wheel off when they come through there. But the key here is to be very smooth. Here comes the leader out of turn number nine, and we'll cross the start-finish line. Terry Labonte still has a pretty good margin over Ricky Rudd right now. He's stretched it to a little better than a second. Back to third place. That's still Harry Gant. Earnhardt trying to put a little heat on him for the number three position. Back in fifth, that's Darrell Waltrip. The rest of the field pretty well strung out. Jeff Bodine a moment ago was slowing down, and he's about to be passed by Neil Bonnet, but he squeezes to the inside of the racetrack and shuts Bonnet off for about that seventh position. Let's go back to Jerry Punch for an update there. Marty, they thought they had a tire going down. Jeff Bodine had radioed to Harry Hyde, and they were ready to bring him in. Hyde was on pit road with the Levi Garrett signboard, and they had the air wrenches and the tire ready, but Bodine radioed back and said, no, it must be okay. Maybe it just got a little bit loose and uh, over in the, out of turn nine, so it's probably okay. They're watching the car. It seems to be running pretty well right now. What's the situation on Elliott? Are they getting anywhere close to getting him back on the racetrack? Well, they are still trying to get the transmission out, Barney. They were trying to decide whether it was a linkage problem or possibly a transmission problem, and now they are, Ernie Elliott is still underneath the car. Bill still sits in the car. It's up on four jacks, and they're still working beneath it. A little farther down Pitt Road, we talked about Tim Richmond dropping back in the field. We just checked back with Barry Dodson, and he says he thinks it is ignition. If they get a caution, they plan to switch over to their alternate system. And the man on the move right now is Richard Petty. Petty started 21st, and he's moved his STP Pontiac up into the top 10. He just went by Tim Richmond a moment ago for the ninth spot. That Bodine Bonnet battle continues. It's a good one, and we'll pick it up as soon as we come back. Kyle Larson brings his Chevy four tires to Noco Racing Fuel. From fueling NASCAR champions on the track for over 20 years to innovating 94 octane, the highest octane on the market. Performance is what Sunoco does. All Sunoco fuel at the pump meets the same top tier standards as the fuel used in NASCAR. Money's back here for Ryan Blaney, four tires with Sunoco fuel. From the track to your tank, you can trust Sunoco to help your vehicle perform at its peak. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Neil Bonnet and Jeff Bodine are really having a, quite a tussle as they just went through the S's in front of Eli Gold. It's a good battle right now with Bodine leading Neil Bonnet by about a car length and a half. They go down the little short chute between turns six and eight after having exited the S's. And now the right-hand sweeper that sets them up towards that little kink in the road before the straightaway on the backstretch. Bodine still up by a car length on Neil. All right, Bodine takes Neil out of the turn eight question mark, you might call it. It's what it looks like if you look at a road course map. And now they come down the straightaway. Bodine pulling away by about four car lengths and down to the dip underneath the bridge. By the way, the bottom part of that dip, a lot of the cars bottom out. And uh, that might be one place where you could see a little damage being done to the cars as they hit bottom and then bounce up and go underneath the bridge. A lot of smoke coming out underneath the cars when they hit there. Good scramble for the lead here at the start-finish line. And one of the lap cars holds up Ricky Rudd for a moment. And now Rudd's going after it up in turn two. As they work their way through the corner. We Ricky got a car in trouble in the S's. It's going to have a factor. Could have a factor as they come through here, Eli. Go ahead. 
The field works its way through the corner now. That race car in problems is off the race course. No factor there, but it is a car length and a half now as everybody seems to take a little bit of a tentative step through the corner. Labonte is leading. Ricky Rudd through the uh, turn six area. There are three slower cars back to Harry Gant and Dale Earnhardt, and it looks like it's getting a little bit slippery in turn six as they fishtail through there. The battle for the lead coming out of turn eight. Elliott, or should I say Labonte, holding off Ricky Rudd right now, takes a low line out of the turn, cuts across to the near side of the track, and once again they start to race down this long straightaway. If you're going to pass, it can be a real drag race for you right now. It's Labonte by about seven car lengths, and Ricky Rudd will not catch him on this time through here. Richard Petty's picked up another spot. He's moved past Bobby Allison. That should post him about six. Labonte's the race leader. As they get into turn number nine, Ricky Rudd takes the Ford in a little deeper and cuts the margin down to one car length. Harry Gant's third. Earnhardt is fourth. Waltrip is fifth. It's almost the length of the straightaway back to the sixth-place car, and we will get the caution for that accident down to the S's. Sixth will be Jeff Bodine. Seventh at the caution will be Neil Bonnet. Eighth is Richard Petty. Ninth will be Bobby Allison. And tenth would be Tim Richmond. Lake Speed's 11th. Ron Bouchard is 12th. Jim Bowd is 13th. 14th is Greg Sachs. 15th is the Bobby Hillen machine. As the field comes around to take the caution, and already activity on pit road. Mike, oh. the car that got in trouble is Blair Rake, and he's off on the inside of the circuit now. I didn't see any smoke from the car, and it doesn't look like he's oiled the track at all. Mike, Ricky Rudd's motorcraft forward in on the upper end of pit road. The T-Bird, Bud Moore, and the crew working. They will change left side tires, and they pit here left to right, so the right side is next to the wall. They have made the left side tire change. No tire rule here now for NASCAR, so there will be a four-tire change on Ricky Rudd's Ford. The Wrangler Chevrolet of Dale Earnhardt also getting four tires. Likewise, the Jeff Bonine ride. As Ned Jarrett, their car is pitting down toward you. Darrell Waltrip took on four tires also in the Budweiser Chevrolet. Tim Richmond in getting four tires. He's getting that ignition changed also over to their alternate system. Neil Bonnie getting four tires. So is Richard Petty. And with the tire roll, rule waived here today, practically everybody will take on four tires, not because they're worn out, but simply because they don't want to take any chances they might get cut. Well, it's quite a lot of activity on pit road, a real jam up down toward the turn nine area of the pit lane as most of the field gets away and gets off pit road after service. Labonte did not come in, nor did Harry Gant, as Harold Kinder had the caution flag out just prior to their coming around turn number nine. Their crews may not have been appraised of it quick enough to get them on pit road, or they may just decide to go around again. I'll remind you that today's broadcast of the Winston Western 500 is brought to you under exclusive radio rights granted by Riverside International Raceway to MRN solely for the private, non-commercial use of our listening audience. Any publication, reproduction, or other use of the description and accounts of this race without the expressed written consent of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network is prohibited. We'll see more cars coming out of pit road, and this will be the two front runners this time. Let's go back to Ned. Yeah, Terry Labonte is coming in, but Tim Richmond just went a lap down, Marty. They came in too quick. They should have stayed out and caught up to the field and then come in because they had that extended time to change that ignition system. So he has gone a lap down. Harry Gant has brought the Skull Bandit car. He'll get four tires, and Labonte and the Piedmont Airlines car will also get four tires. We'll update you on how they came off pit road. And just back in Riverside, California, and Terry Labonte and the rest of the field getting ready to go back under green here in just a second. Quickly, let's check in with Terry. Terry, it's getting kind of ticklish out there, isn't it?
Okay, they're set to go back to green. Good luck to you. Have a good day there. Put them under green up at turn number eight as they come out of there, not at the start-finish line on restarts. Let's go to turn eight. And sitting up here coming off the turn, you're going to find Jimmy Means sitting at the front of the field behind the pace car. Now Means pulls to the outside of the track, and here they come, full board. It's going to be Earnhardt and Rudd going at it. Now there's one more coming up the middle as they start to fishtail, not fishtail, but rather snake their way across. Drag race, Earnhardt and Rudd going down to the bridge. Four wide at one point as they came into the bridge. Now it's come back down to two as Earnhardt goes for the lead against Ricky Rudd. And Earnhardt's going to get it. He'll drive right into that corner just as hard as he can, forcing Ricky to get on the binders for a moment. And Dale Earnhardt has taken the lead. Here comes Terry Labonte. He's going to move up into the number two position, dropping Rudd back to third. Gant is fourth. Good scramble back there from that third, fourth, fifth, and sixth position as they work to the start-finish line. Where they come off turn nine, Earnhardt, the race leader. He's got five car lengths on Labonte. Gant will nip Rudd for third. Labonte, or rather, Bodine is fifth, and Rudd's car suddenly slows dramatically. Bonnet and Waltrip go by. Now Jimmy Means will pass Ricky Rudd, who was the race leader when they put them back under green. They're in the S's. And he's passing us here in turn number three. Ricky is still not up to speed. Jim Bound going by, Richard Petty going by, Bobby Allison and Buddy Arrington going by, and Ricky Rudd, the rear end of the automobile, as he heads uphill towards six. The rear end of the car seems to be jiggling back and forth. Bob Steinbrink has a better look. It is getting very crowded here, and he is having trouble handling the car. It looks like from the outside, it doesn't look like he's cut a tire, but he is really fighting that automobile and dropping place after place after place in the shoot between turns uh, six and eight. The leaders are on the back straight. Your leader, Earnhardt, now has a good margin over Terry Labonte. Harry Gant goes third. Jeff Bodine is fourth, and it appears as though Neil Bonnet will be the fifth-place car. Make that Neil Bonnet running fifth and sixth this Waltrip as they whistle down underneath the bridge. Marty, we're down in the Budmore pits with uh, Budmore and the crew, and, they're, and the, they have a right front tire down on Ricky Rudd's car. They came in and made a four-tire change. They're waiting for Rudd. He tried to get into pits on that, on that green flag lap. He couldn't get by because of traffic on the outside of him. So they're going to bring him in, change the right front tire. Tough luck for Budmore's crew. That is what is so critical, as we've all talked about, getting off the course, maybe a stone getting kicked up on the course and, and causing you to have a cut tire, causing an unscheduled pit stop. Earnhardt's the leader. Right behind him is Terry Labonte, about 10 car lengths back. Even less between Labonte right now and Harry Gant as he works in for the third spot. Still Jeff Bodine riding fourth. The Neil Bonnet is fifth as they work back into the S's. One guy we've not talked much about is Harry Gant, but he does run well here at Riverside. He's within some four car lengths of Labonte. There to the inside, then the outside of the S's, heading uphill into turn number six. One more left-hander before they find the sixth turn. And into six goes Earnhardt, the leader, and hot on his trail, Terry Labonte. This turn six is very hard on brakes. You've got to hit him very hard coming up the hill. You come around the turn, and you go down the chute into four eight, and the car gets light as you go around eight, the slowest turn in the circuit. It is a decreasing radius turn. A lot of mistakes can be made there, but Dale Earnhardt is doing a beautiful job of it. Earnhardt comes through there nicely and still holds off Labonte, but Labonte's beginning to close the margin as they get up to, through the gears, looking at 160 or 65 miles an hour. Everybody getting strung out way across the racetrack now. No one able to make any kind of move. Good racing going on here at Riverside, California, not just for that first spot, but all the way back through the top 10 or 12 as Earnhardt takes them back into turn number nine. Front three cars are just right together and even less than a 10 or 12 car lengths back to the fourth place car now of Jeff Bodine. Ricky Rudd made his pit stop a moment ago. Let's go to the pits right now for a report on that. 
12 and 19 second pit stop, Barney. Good stop under green for Rudd, but a costly one. Right side tires, a right front tire was down on the car, not completely, but enough to keep the car from being able to handle. The car is now down in the way. He will not lose a lap. He is way ahead of the field, so if they get another caution, he'll be able to come right back up front. The leaders head for turn two. It's Earnhardt through the S's with Labonte running second, Gant going third, then some second and a quarter back to Bodine in fourth, Bonnet fifth, Waltrip sixth. Bound is seventh. Richard Petty's car eighth in line. Ninth is Bobby Allison. Tim Richmond tenth. Lake Speed goes eleventh. Bobby Hillen Jr. twelfth. And then the battle for the Winston West Series. Thirteenth is Herschel McGriff. And all the way back in 24th now is Jim Robinson. Richard Petty, who'd have been making a charge, is trapped behind Jim Bound right now and can't get around him, so he's losing pace to the leaders who are down the straight. The leader's coming off the turn, and Earnhardt is opening up his margin on Terry Labonte a little bit. And it looks to me as though Harry Gant's going to be closing in on Labonte's bumper here very shortly as they come down this long straightaway. It's about the only place in a racetrack that has any resemblance to an oval track. It's long, and you can draft if you need to to make some passes, and a number of drivers have been doing that. This will be an interesting matchup. Earnhardt is not a textbook road racer like Labonte. Labonte is smooth, keeps the car under control, where Dale likes to thrash and throw the car around the race course. And the right side of that car is already pretty well marked up as testimony to that. But Earnhardt will lead them off turn number nine. Labonte will stay just about three car lengths back, and Harry Gant is right there with them. That'll be a good battle all day long. As Ironhead can get around any road course, he can do so much with a car. And this is a place where a driver can make a big difference in getting the car around here. It can be off a little bit, and it's just like driving on the highway. If you can kind of cut the inside of corners and do things like that, you can make up a difference. And Earnhardt's doing a good job of it here this afternoon. Some good battles going on in front of Eli Gold and the S's. The good battle now is Richard Petty trying to get around the 98 car. That Jim Bound, Bound can get around this racetrack. He's a proven winner here. And Richard runs off into the dirt just a bit trying to make a pass. And he is still trapped behind. Those battles continue up through turn number six now. Richard Petty still hounding on Bound. Bobby Allison, who is a multi-time winner here, he is right behind that battle. And Tim Richmond, who has won here, also in joining that battle there between six and eight right now. That right-hand sweeper setting him up for the backstretch. Now they make the left-hand turn as they come out onto the straightaway. Your leader is Earnhardt with Labonte on his bumper, but that battle back behind Jim Bound continues. There's an opportunity if Petty needs it to try to duck to the inside and try to go by. Battle for the lead coming down to turn number nine. Labonte will take it away as he definitely has the horsepower at the end of the straightaway here. Gant will pull up right on the bumper of the two lead cars as they get down into the ninth corner. So Labonte, who has led the most laps thus far, moves up a notch. Meanwhile, getting into turn nine, Bobby Allison and Richard Petty are side-by-side -side for position. And coming off the corner, they'll straighten out just a bit as Labonte leads them to the line. Terry Labonte takes him up over turn number one, and Earnhardt wants the lead back. He takes a look on the inside as they head up to turn number two. He won't be able to get it there. He can't make the move there. Earnhardt tried the inside groove just a little bit early that time. You do tuck to the inside, entering turn two, and now the driver's trying to straighten out the S's as best they can. First to the extreme left, now the extreme right. Heading uphill to six, Labonte has a car length and a half on Earnhardt and Gantt. They continue through turn six now. The right-hand sweeper sets them up on a downhill dip. Turn six tied to turn number eight. Turn seven here at Riverside is used exclusively for road race cars. Glenn Stoyer further back now. He and Bill Schmidt both getting by Buddy Baker as Baker stuttered just a bit. But they straighten out with the leaders on the backstretch. Your leaders now breaking away from the rest of the field very nicely. And the body stretching his lead substantially over Dale Earnhardt. A good 10 to 12 car lengths and then three more back to Harry Gant as they go under the bridge and head for turn nine. 
Labonte again comes out from under the bridge and has now opened that interval on Dale Earnhardt by a good full second. He is so smooth getting around this course. Don't count out Harry Gant. He came so close to winning this thing out here last June when we were here, and he seems to get better every time we come to Riverside, California. He's putting all the heat on Earnhardt. He can stand as they work out of turn number nine. Back at Riverside, California with 28 laps complete. Let's go to Jerry Punch for an update. Bill Elliott still sits in the car, Barney, and Bill Burkhart, one of the chorus crew members, has been inside the car working on the transmission. Bill, what exactly is the problem? Well, it was one of those fluky things in racing. The uh, shift linkage broke off inside of the transmission. So we had to essentially take the transmission almost all the way off to replace a broken part inside. Well, he just fired the car up behind us. He's down off the jacks. Ernie comes out from underneath the car, and Bill is backing out, headed back toward pit road. And a cheer goes up from the fans in this end of the speedway who see that car rolling. It will be coming back onto the racetrack in just a moment. We pause 10 seconds on the Motor Racing Network for station identification. The leaders are just going into turn number two, and it's a hot one up front. The battle is for second place right now as Levante leads them past the slower car of Bud Hickey. Earnhardt takes the inside groove. Harry Gant right behind him. And as Levante streaks away, particularly strong, going uphill into turn number six, the Earnhardt-Gant battle continues behind them. They make that right-hand sweeper still going uphill. It's a blind turn, so to speak. When the turn finally crowns, you start downhill into the dip. And as Labonte is already through turn number eight, here come Earnhardt and Harry Gant, those two cars having pulled off now comfortably from Bodine and Neil Bonnet. They make that right-hand right downward turn and then cut back left onto the straightaway. And Labonte has really opened up the margin here substantially. And now it's up to Earnhardt and Gant to chase him. They go by Kyle Petty's car, who's been struggling away in high gear all the way around the track. Elliott is in that group now out there, and there's Walter going down on him. Leader sweeps back into turn number nine. Labonte begins to pull away again from Dale Earnhardt. He's opened up better than a two-second separation now for the Ricky Rudd Motorcraft fans of the Bud Moore team. They did go an unscheduled pit stop, but they have not gone a lap down. They're still on the lead lap and running along out there. They're in good shape if they can get any kind of a break at all. Rudd had one of the fastest cars on the speedway as Labonte sweeps across the start-finish line. Earnhardt a second or so behind. The battle has been between Dale Earnhardt and Harry Gant for that second spot most of the day. That's Jeff Bodine rides fourth. Back in fifth position is Neil Bonnet. And six as they work in there now. Bill Elliott will not be in sixth position, but he has come back onto the racetrack. And we understand from timing and scoring unofficially, 23 laps behind. And what a heartbreaker for Bill Elliott. Joining us here in the tower in Motor Racing Network, the president of the R.J. Reynolds Tobacco Company, Mr. Gerald H. Long. We call him Jerry Long. And he's, we, we're, I'll tell you, before we get into any heavy stuff here, the whole crew has chipped in a Motor Racing Network and bought you a scholarship to go to the... <laughs> School of Announcing this fall, so or this winter, when you have a little time off with us, and come back next year, and we're going to let you do a full Boy, race. Bonnie, I'm glad to have that opportunity because I've had the opportunity to teach at that school for the last several years. That's the Mel Tillis School of Announcing <laughs> yeah. we're talking about, so I think we won't have any problem. Jerry, nice to have you here with us, and I know your heart goes out to the Elliots here to have them have that kind of problem. Everyone was hoping that both cars would run to their full capability all day and decide the championship that way. Yes, because, you know, really there's probably very few athletes have had a year as Bill Elliott has had here in the Winston Cup Series this year. Uh, winning uh, winning some uh, $2 million. It's been absolutely spectacular. He's been quoted as saying, you know, if something happened and he didn't win the Winston Cup Series today, he's had a year that anybody would, would worship uh, for their whole lifetime. 
And of course, uh, he, he still, uh, he and Ernie and Dan and the family really wanted that and tried very hard. We spent a lot of time with them uh, yesterday and again this morning. And uh, they felt that the car was in great shape and everything was going to go well. And they were going to go all out. And they were very confident about it. And of course, so was Daryl. And, uh, you know, I imagine Daryl wants to win the Winston Cup very bad also. I believe it'll be his third. But uh, still, it would be a nicer thing to have a wide open race. Well, he was so emotional with Ned Jarrett when we went on the air this afternoon. We were talking among ourselves about how uptight both these teams are. There's a tremendous amount of pressure. It is, there's no doubt the Winston Cup is the most prestigious title in motor racing, and it meant a lot to both of them. And we're still not counting Elliott out. There's a lot of racing left here, and if he had a problem that put him in the pits for 23 laps, Darrell could do the same thing. Yeah, that's exactly what uh, Mike and Barney, we were going to mention. Because just because Bill is down, uh, you know, we stepped in here, we were just starting to go back into the race. It certainly uh, bad luck could also come down on Darrell Waltrip, anything. It could be uh, somebody could have an oil spill. It could be an engine. It could be anything. And it could be a transmission problem for Darrell. And they have to see if the Junior Johnson team could get Darrell out there as quickly as the Elliott team did. So I think, like the man said, it isn't all over till it's over. And I think we have to wait till we get all the way to the end of the race. And then we're going to find out who the Winston Cup champion really will be for 1985. Well, still about 90 laps until the fat lady sings, so to speak, and we, and we do ring down the curtain. A lot of folks were saying this morning it's kind of like getting up on the morning of the last day of school for the summer because now we get some time off. But the way the season's been all year long and the way all the testing over the winter, there really isn't much time off. And it has been such a tumultuous season, and we've seen such exciting things happen, such as Elliott's winning the Winston Million and so forth. Are you kind of glad to see this one end, or are you kind of sad to see it end? I wish you could kind of keep going. Oh, well, I, Mike, that's a good statement. We're sort of sad in one way to see it end because this has been un undoubtedly the greatest year. This was our 15th year of Winston Cup racing. Uh, it's been a sensational year with, with the media coverage, the fans. Uh, this was the largest crowd today ever at Riverside Raceway, and from what we understand, this is the 28th uh, record breaker that we've had so far this year. We're really packing them in all across the country. But 1986 will be another spectacular year uh, for Winston Cup racing, uh, right off the bat. Well, Jerry, you sprung a couple of things on us in New York last year that took about two or three months to soak in the total impact on the sport. One was the Winston for the race winners in 1984. Of course, that will be the same thing again this coming year, 1986. It will be held in Atlanta. You made the press conference news. And, of course, the other thing was the Winston Million. Any big surprises coming up in New York again this year? Well, when we announced the uh, Winston Million last year, Barney, a lot of people said it was a great idea, but nobody would ever win it. And, of course, uh, with Bill Elliott winning it, and the way he did, that was spectacular for motor racing. Then the Winston Million was a great success, and as you know, uh, we're going to be running that race in, in May 11th, 1986, in Atlanta. And there are two. we only have nine qualifiers so far. There is a chance for one more, and that would be today if Jeff Bodine or Ricky Rudd won the race or either one of them ends up with the most points, they will be in that uh, very prestigious event. And yes, we will be making some big announcements again in New York in December for 1986. And I think that everybody who is in racing is going to be very pleased. They'll say, my God, they've done it again. And that's what <laughs> we're going to really try to do. Well, I know you're not going to tell us what it is, but in a couple of weeks we'll find out up there. Appreciate you stopping by, and I know you'll be in victory lane to greet the new champion this afternoon. Barney and Mike and John, we really appreciate it. And I want, I'd like to also at this point compliment both of you and the complete MRN team for the absolutely spectacular job you do every single week for all the racing fans across the entire country. Because I know no matter where I go, no matter what, any conditions, people say Mar uh, Barney Hall and Mike Joy 
do one of the greatest jobs with working with Eli and uh, J uh, Jarrett and so forth. And the people do, no matter where they are, listen to MRN. And congratulations to both of you on a great year. And we hope the same thing in 1986. Appreciate Thank the you. kind words. And I will look for you and maybe chat with you a little bit later in Victory Lane this afternoon and be ready to go to that school of announcing because we're going to be counting on it. Thank you very much, Bonnie and Mike. Bye-bye. Thank you, Jerry. Let's take a few folks back through the field before we break for commercial here. Terry Labonte is the race leader. Dale Earnhardt rides in second. Harry Gant is third. Neil Bonnet is fourth. Jeff Bodine is in danger of losing the fifth spot to Richard Petty, who's glued onto his bumper. Back in seventh, Bobby Allison. Darrell Waltrip is riding in eighth. In ninth is Tim Richmond. In tenth is Lake Speed. Eleventh, running back in the eleventh position. That would be Jim Bound of Portland, Oregon. He's the leading West Coast car. And in twelfth is Bobby Hill. And we've now complete. It looks like 34 laps are on the board of the 119 that they'll run today here at Riverside, California. We'll be right back. We're back in Riverside, California, and one car has just gone off the course up in front of Eli Gold. That's Eddie Beerswall, the San Antonio, Texas driver. He slid off the course through the dirt and just about hit the wall. I believe he came up shy by maybe an inch. He has now gotten the car refired. He's just waiting for a break in traffic. Herschel McGriff goes by, and Beerswall spins down off the dirt. He's going to continue by as Ricky Rudd now goes past him. So Eddie Beerswall, close call there, but he's back on his way. He is one of the champions, spark plug rookie contenders had a good year on the Winston Cup circuit and has big plans for next year's another one of the champion spark plug rookies comes on to pit road Ken Schrader let's go to Ned Jarrett I was about to say the other one who is in contention for the champion spark plug rookie title this year Kenny Schrader is on pit road he apparently has the left side tire flat on the junior Don Levy car Barney there are chains and left side tires so he'll probably he does go a lap down now as Terry Labonte goes by Good battle coming out of turn number nine and it's back about fourth spot Richard Petty trying to muscle up alongside Neil Bonnet while Bobby Allison has caught Jeff Bodine in the middle of turn nine. Four cars there fighting for those positions come around turn number one, and they're now headed for the S's. And with Bodine and Neil Bonnet both within 25 points of each other in the Winston Cup chase, and a lot of money on the line for positions up near fourth and fifth on the season standings, neither man is going quietly. For the moment, Neil Bonnet leads Richard Petty uphill. Then there's about three car lanes back to the Jeff Bodine car, and right behind those automobiles is Bobby Allison, who is a many-time winner here. They really cut the inside of turn six, kicking up some of the dirt. Now that downhill dip towards eight in that particular battle led by Neil Bonnet. Neil Bonnet will ease himself into eight as he makes the right-hand turn and drops down just a little bit. Richard Petty about two car lengths behind him. Then Jeff Bodine and right on Bodine's bumper. The rest of the other rest of the field in contention for this position. Now Bonnet does what he does so well on straightaways. He snakes his way across the track and breaks the draft. Allison sitting on the Bodine bumper will try to make an inside move into nine. It's about ten seconds behind Terry Labonte, the lead where all that battling is going on as they work back into turn number nine. Labonte just getting around this road course like we've seen him do so many times. He's been very good ever since he came here some years ago and has won his share of races here. Had one of his worst racing accidents going into turn nine a couple of years ago that put him in the hospital here at Riverside, California. And he came to the banquet in New York to accept his awards up there on crutches and got a standing ovation. He's a very talented race driver. Here's Neil Bonnet and Richard Petty right in front of us heading up to the S's again. Petty can't do anything this trip around as Bobby Allison begins to creep up a little bit on Richard Petty, Mike. And that's a good run for Neil Bonnet because as Neil will be the first to tell you, he's not a natural road racer. This is a big challenge for him. more than we run road courses to come out here with these cars. You know, we built a specific car to run this track and adapt it as well as we can. The car's in good shape. It's a matter of getting, getting me personally to where I can do what I need to on a road course. It's, it's a hard changeover for me. I, in the past few years, I've got to where I really do enjoy it. 
I kind of get upset with myself because I, I don't perform the level I think I should on the road course, but uh, I'm trying to work at it and get better each time. Now he's hanging on to that position. Coming up through the S's, Bonnet looked pretty good, and that's the toughest part of the racetrack for him. Pull up through the S's, mine needs outriggers on it, or training wheels. Uh, I go up through there, and you know I've got the front end pretty well where I want to go. I've got the back end all over the racetrack. But to run the kind of lap it takes to be competitive here and to run the kind of lap it takes to be a potential winner here, it, it takes a reckless abandon to go up through there. I went up there in the corner. I, I said, surely that everybody else don't look the way I feel like I look coming through here. And I go up in the corner and watch the other guys come through, and they're doing the same thing. To run the lap that's required to be in a lead race car at this particular racetrack, you're virtually out of control every lap. <laughs> the thoughts of Neil Bonnet right now. He's hanging on to position against Richard Petty, Bobby Allison, and Jeff Bodine as they work off turn nine and back to the start-finish line to complete their 39th lap around this course. From Riverside International Raceway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Again, there's a spin in front of Eli Gold up in the S's. Actually, two spins here in the upper part of the track. Bob Kennedy started at first, seemed to blow an engine. All sorts of smoke came out from the car. He looped the car in the dirt, and Ricky Rudd did a great piece of driving to just barely get by him. But when you get off your rhythm here, you can really have a problem. Bobby Hillen had to avoid the spinning Bob Kennedy car, and Hillen finally had problems up in turn six. That's when it finally caught up with him. Hillen has pulled away. Bob Kennedy's car is merely a foot or so off the racetrack now, but rolling as he evidently pushes the clutch in, but he's not going far. We'll stay under green here at Riverside, California, as Dale Earnhardt has turned up the wick a little bit, trying to chase down leader Terry Labonte. Earnhardt's been getting around here very good all day long, and he'd like to win this to close out the season. He's had a pretty good year with the Richard Childress team. They are one of the few that certainly will make no changes for the next couple of years. He says he's as happy with Richard Childress as he's ever been in his career running with anyone since he's been driving a Grand National car. And, well, they should be because they seem to get stronger every race for the last couple of years. Caution is coming out of the speedway. We are getting the caution, Barty. The 45 car down to the S's would not fire. So they waited and finally now have dropped the caution flag on the field. We'll catch the leaders coming around and that battle. Uh, back in the pack, Dave Marcus comes quickly to pit road. The leader has not yet taken the caution flag. We'll hold it here a moment to see if he does either on the racetrack or whether Labonte this time will come to pit road. On the first caution, he elected to stay on the racetrack. This time, he and Earnhardt and Harry Gant will all come to pit road. Let's go there now. No uh, surprise that he dipped in here. He and Dale Earnhardt racing down pit road. Earnhardt wanted to get in front of him, but he couldn't quite do it. All of them will take on four tires. Waltrip will be coming into the pits. Neil Bonnet is already in the pits. So we suspect all of them will take on four tires again as a precautionary measure, not the fact that they wear the tires out just as a precaution in case one might get cut. Well, that pit road is getting crowded right now as Jeff Bodine has to squeeze in there. So does Tim Richmond and Bobby Allison and Harry Gant. Here comes Richard Petty in. And Ned talking about that tire deal, the tires really wear down. Down here, the, the left and right hand turns wear out both sides of the tire, whereas on a super speedway, of course, it's mostly the wear is just on the right side. And they need to change four tires, really, because every time we've had a dozen drivers tell us over the years that even though they might felt that they needed a two tire change, when they changed the four and the car went back out, they might find two of the tires they took off. One was leaking down or had a slow cut in it that would let the air out. Plus the fact that new tires, cool tires, will run considerably faster on this racetrack, Barney. They, they run a fairly soft compound of rubber compared to some of the super speedways back in the southeast where they have to run a harder compound because of the high banks and the speeds they run there. And so as a result of the softer compound, they will wear out a little bit quicker, and they also 
tend to slow down a little bit more when they get heated up. Well, pit road got a little more than crowded a moment ago. The gas man for Tim Richmond's car was backing away from the car, which was pitted half in the pit lane, when Herschel McGriff came flying down pit road. McGriff hit that gas can, tossed it 25 feet in the air. It came crashing down in the middle of pit road out of harm's way. As that happened, Darrell Waltrip tried to take off out of his pit and just about collected a crewman on the front bumper of his Chevrolet. The man jumped, slid off the hood off to the side and got away, but it was a very, very tense moment for the fellows on pit road as that happened. Now, right now the track crew and NASCAR officials are down at the scene making sure that nobody was hurt in that melee, but it was a very badly congested scene a moment ago. It was really crowded there, and you've been looking for something like that to happen here a couple of times as quickly as they dive off to pit road and get in there. It narrows up very, very shortly, so to speak, as they come into the pits. Set the situation for you here at Riverside. If you joined our broadcast late, Bill Elliott had a transmission problem about three laps into the race, stayed behind the pit wall some 23 or 24 laps. They did repair the problem. Shifter broke off inside the transmission itself. They have put him back onto the speedway, and he's been one of the fastest cars out there, but he's at least 23 to 24 laps behind Darrell Waltrip, and Waltrip has been right up in the thick of things, no worse than fourth or fifth all afternoon, but there's still a lot of racing left, and as we have talked about among ourselves, if one driver can have problems before the day is over, Waltrip could certainly have some here and tighten that battle right back up, but for the moment, if Waltrip doesn't have any problems, he's going to coast home to another Winston Cup championship, but like we said, there's a lot of racing to go. Just 41 laps are complete. 119 will make up the distance. Here at Riverside, California, this is the way they're running on the course after this round of caution flag pit stops a moment ago. Labonte, good pit work again, comes right back out at the head of the pack, so Terry is the leader. Riding second is Dale Earnhardt. Third is Harry Gant. Bill Elliott's right behind him, although Elliott is at least 23 laps behind because he had a transmission problem very early here this afternoon and took him that long to repair it. Fourth position will belong to Jeff Bodine. Fifth should be Richard Petty. Sixth, Bobby Allison. Seventh, Neil Bonnet. And Darrell Waltrip has now slipped back to the eighth position. Let's go back to pit road a moment ago. Kenny Schrader spent a long time in the pits, and Jerry Punch can update us on that. They had an ignition problem on the car, Barney. That's the Sunny King-sponsored Ford Thunderbird that Junie Dunleavy prepares. And uh, Junie told us that the, co the coil evidently had gone bad. They brought the car in, run under the hood for a lap or so under green. And they changed the call. The call. The car refired. Appears to be okay now, but an untimely and costly stop for Kenny Schrader. Let's see if we can get a word with uh, Terry Lamonte on our Alugard in-car radio today. We'll turn that up. And they're uh, they're talking back and forth on their own radio. Now let's see if we can reach Lamonte. Terry, this is Mike Joy up at MRN. If you can hear us out there, lined up behind the pace car, it looks like a good part of this day. You've been able to run your kind of race out there and get out and get away from everybody else. We'll wish you good luck and talk to you a bit later on. Barney, I guess, Barney, I guess it just goes to show that even when a fellow's out there running by himself and he's running away from the field, it doesn't mean that everything is the best that it can be. No, it sure doesn't because Dale Earnhardt's right behind him, and he knows that he's going to be coming strong as he has been all day. Terry Labonte, of course, the Alugard folks are sponsoring the in-car radio with his machine here this afternoon. As Harold Kinder is giving the indication, we'll go back to green here in just one more lap around, and they'll start him under the green flag up at turn number eight. A little bit different here at Riverside, California. Instead of coming all the way back to the start-finish line, they do put them under green at turn eight. Barney today will announce the winner of the goodies race for the money. Sweepstakes, one lucky race fan is going to Daytona uh, with...
prime seats for the Goodies 300 and Daytona 500, $1,000 in cash, a tour of the NASCAR garage to meet their favorite drivers. They'll stay at the Treasure Island Inn on Daytona Beach for four nights, and they'll fly there courtesy of Piedmont Airlines, and we'll be announcing that shortly. And at Daytona, we'll announce a new Goodies Race for the Money sweepstakes for 1986. So could be your name we're announcing, so stay tuned to MRN throughout the day. We bring you continuing coverage of the Winston Western 500. Looks like as they get up toward Dave Sutherland, they're going to be set for a restart this time. Terry Labonte will lead the field into turn eight. They make the right-hand turn and drop off just a little bit as they come around the turn. The pace car has shut the lights off and pulled away, and now the field begins to scramble up behind him. Here comes Labonte trying to split the track down, so no one can go either way. You can pass four wide through here if you need to. The body at the point, Earnhardt second, Gant third, Elliott running in the fourth position on the track, but fourth is Jeff Levine, and fifth right now is Richard Petty as they head under the bridge. Dale Earnhardt will drive his car very deep into turn number nine, but so will Terry Labonte and Earnhardt will not be able to do anything with him there this time as the field tightens up right in the middle of the corner. It's Labonte up front, Earnhardt riding second. Gant is third as they come through the middle of turn number nine and sweep back into the front straightaway that will bring them across the start finish line. Five cars, six cars running right together up in the front of the pack. Bill Elliott is in there, although he is 23 laps behind. Front three, tighten up as they head up to Eli Gold. It's a little short shoot of some 1,200 feet from turn one towards the start of the S's. A call deservedly to Richard Petty. You don't pass all that much on this track. Richard started 21st. He's now running fifth, but he lags just a bit behind fourth place Bodine. Uphill, that snake continues to climb. Rights, then left. Now another right up into turn number six to the crown of the turn. Now it's downhill from there. Still, Terry Labonte leads the way on that short shoot. It's another 12 to 1,300 feet from six towards eight. Labonte with Earnhardt. Jeff Bodine is separated by Harry Gant. Hold it tight to the inside as they come through turn eight. Now move to the left and come out of turn the eight's exit and go to the inside of the backstretch where they have the best line for turn nine and Labonte now has about four car lengths on Dale Earnhardt three back to Harry Gant then Elliott and a long way back to Jeff Ladine and Richard Petty. Smoke coming from the Bobby Allison car. Tough break for Bobby Allison. Had a good qualifying run, and he is still up to speed, running right behind Richard Petty. Well, again, Labonte manages to move away from the field, and he says every time they drop that green flag, it takes you a minute or two to get your rhythm sorted out and get with the program here again on this track. I think so. It takes you a little while to uh, to develop that the feel that you're gonna that you have to have to really run fast on a road course. You know, the key to running fast is just being smooth, and then you've also got to really be smooth downshifting and shifting. Uh, to try to save the car. They're black flagging Bobby Allison's smoking car as it came across the start finish line. So we may see Allison on pit road. Richard Petty is three seconds behind the front group as they work up through the S's. What a battle here. Dave Marcus, Lake Speed, along with Greg Sachs, Jim Bound, and Ron Bouchard. They were bouncing off each other like on a billiards table entering the S's. Each one wanted to go their own certain way. Further back, Herschel McGriff now still has some eight, nine, ten positions on Jim Robinson. That's the battle for the Winston West Championship. Coming out of turn eight now, Labonte's still your leader. Jeff Bodine trying to find a way around Bill Elliott so he can get in the chase for the top of the field. The rest of the cars trailing them. Richard Petty coming off the turn, followed by Allison, and it uh, looks like Tim Richmond's car, rather Neil Bonnet's car, as they come down this long straightaway and head down a dip. 
hitting bottom, and still Allison shows a great deal of smoke going down into turn nine. We will see if Allison acknowledges the black flag here in just a moment. That smoke has dissipated now as he works his way back into turn number nine. A moment ago, it was very prominent as he came into the turn. Now we see it again just as he gets into the middle of the corner. But they did black flag Bobby Allison the last time around. Let's see if he stays out there. Here's leader Terry Labonte across the stripe to put another lap on the board. It will go up to 46 this turn around. 119 will make up the distance. Dale Earnhardt still rides second. Third is Harry Gant. Fourth back to Jeff Bodine, and Allison will stay out there. Fifth Trouble down toward turn number nine. One car goes into a wild looping spin of 360 degrees and straightens it out. That's Blair Aiken, the car that spun earlier, rather than showing Bill Osborne in that number 16 machine, but he gets it righted and gets going straight again. A nasty moment for the cars following right behind him. It's a critical place. You don't want to be out of control there at 170 miles an hour heading into a 180-degree hairpin turn, but he gets the car back in a straight line and saves it, Bill Osborne. Union 76 knows that to be a winner, it pays to listen to a winner. A winner like the king. A winner like Richard Petty. I love to drive a race course so much that... I drive it every day of the week and run 500 miles if I could. I've been doing this for 25 years. I've been driving a race car, and that's what I love to do. That's my satisfaction out doing all the work that I do during the week. And as far as getting psyched up for a race, I don't have to get psyched up. I'm just ready to go. Anytime they call the gentleman starts your engines, I'm in the car. I'm ready to go. Winning. It's the spirit that drives men like Richard Petty. And it's the same winning spirit that drives Union 76, because Union has been the number one fuel of NASCAR winners for 32 years. And that winning quality, that same winning spirit rides with you every time you pull out of a Union 76 station. Go with the spirit. The winning spirit. Spirit of 76. Trouble up at turn number six has brought out the third caution flag. Let's go to... Eli Gold. It's Tim Richmond's car that remains on the scene. He, along with Phil Parsons and Jim Robinson, got together. Turn six is a particularly narrow turn as the caution is on the speedway. There's not all that much room to get by where you want to go. There's a thick metal boilerplate wall to the outside, painted red and white. You don't want to come near there. You run the inside groove. Well, either you have to give and go through the dirt or bang off one another. That's exactly what happens. They started beating and banging. The wrecker now pulls Richmond's car towards the dirt infield area. Phil Parsons and Jim Robinson have since left the scene. Remember now, Jim Robinson is locked up in that Winston West points battle here. He needs to finish today, if at all possible, but apparently his car will be all right. That'll put us under the third caution of the afternoon. It'll come out on lap 47, and just about everyone has been on pit road. Let's go to the pits. Yes, they have, Barney, and practically everyone took on four tires, as they've been doing here at every pit stop, as we mentioned earlier, to get uh, cool tires on the car, make them run a little bit faster. We're in the Bobby Allison pits. He was in uh, for that uh, smoke. Herman Allman, do you know what, uh, or Wayne Bumgarner, do you know what the problem is? The line has came off the transmission. It's pushing oil out the top of the transmission. Okay, so they're uh, going to bring Bobby back in the next time around. And the old Milwaukee crew of Tim Richmond wanted us to be sure to inform everybody that the crew member w that was injured is okay. Okay, Ned. The two front runners, first and second place, did not make a pit stop. They elected to stay out there. Terry Labonte and Dale Earnhardt, they're behind the caution car in the middle of turn number nine, and likely we may see them on pit road because this will be a fairly lengthy caution flag here at Riverside. From Riverside Raceway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. We're back at Riverside, California, and the two cars that are running first and second elected to stay on the speedway, and Jerry Punch, there's a good reason for that, apparently. 
Yeah, we're, we're standing in the Terry Lavani pits, and Steve Beal, the crew chief for Lavani. Steve, you didn't come in that time. Uh, what's the strategy? Going to stay out and try to pick up the 10,000? Well, not really. The way our fuel mileage is going, if we were to pit now, we'd still have to pit with 10 laps to go. So we just figured we'd go ahead and stay out. And, and in addition to getting the money, the car's working good now. So it wasn't advantageous to us to pit and go to the back of the line. Well, that's Steve Mill. The traffic awfully tough here, Barty, and they want to keep Terry Levani up front. Well, the $10,000 he's talking about will come at the halfway point from Barclays American as they've made that award at several races this year. And we've seen some really good tussles going on for that ten grand on that particular lap at the halfway point. Bobby Allison's car is on pit road. The hood is up, and a couple of his crew members are under there. Let's go back to Ned. Barney, what they're doing is replacing that line that Wayne Bumgarner, the crew chief on the car, said was broken. And fortunately, they were able to do that during the caution. He had been given the black flag, as you had pointed out, but you can run what is it three or four laps four, four laps so that way uh without uh your car being stopped scored and so it's lucky for him that the caution did come out so now they're getting to make that repair under the caution and he has it fired back up he'll be moving back out and should stay in the lead lap well that'll be a good break for bobby allison he runs this road course as well as anyone dale earnhardt's been right up there all afternoon and he wanted to close out the season by winning this race here he celebrated an anniversary thursday night here at riverside california with his lovely wife Teresa. I couldn't help but laugh at him a bit the other day. We were doing an interview, and he put his foot in his mouth. He didn't mean to, but Teresa will probably shoot him for this, and I told him I was going to use it. He celebrated an anniversary, and I said it would be a nice anniversary present to win this thing, wouldn't it? Would, uh, you know, we spent our anniversary usually out in California. We got married on the 14th of November and always ends up out here in California on that date. But, you know, it, uh, we've had a real good three years and looking forward to three more or, or many more. And, uh, better, not <laughs> better not say three more. Many more, and... Uh, you know, it would be nice to win the race on the anniversary. Well, Mike, don't you make that mistake and no. say three more good years. No, that's a long-term contract, Barney. <laughs> that's for sure. They're getting ready to go back to green next turnaround. We're going to go racing this time by, and the driver's in the best shot to pick up the Barclays money. Terry Labonte, the race leader. Dale Earnhardt, who is second. Neil Bonnet, who rides along in third. And I believe, Eli, the first of the cars off pit road that did stop were Jeff Bodine and Richard Petty. That's correct. Those cars are going to be lined up at this moment. Bodine ahead of Richard Petty, sandwiched between J.D. McDuffie and Clark Dwyer. They're about they're roughly 18th or so in line. Remember here at Riverside, when they come off the turn number six area, they'll get the restart heading to eight. Let's check on pit road. One uh, interested spectator here is baseball superstar Reggie Jackson. Reggie, you are uh, quite a race fan. Well, I sure am, Ned. Uh, I just have to make sure that I keep it off the streets and at the racetrack. You've got a quite a collection of cars. Yes, I do. I'm a big Chevrolet fan, as you know. I collect some of the old muscle cars, Corvettes, and some of the big Super Chevelles. Uh, some of the cars that they used to run way back when they had the mystery motor and the 427 uh, Mark IIs and stuff. So I get a chance to come out and visit with friends like Raymond Beadle of the Blue Max team and Junior Johnson to see guys like Herb Fischel. So they're all nice people, and I certainly enjoy it. We're about to go back to racing. The best to you. Thank you. We're under green as they head back into turn number nine, and there's a good scramble going on for the lead as Labonte has plenty of hornets right behind him trying to swarm all over the boy in the middle of turn number nine. It is Dale Earnhardt and Neil Bonnet there this time, and Dale literally gets within a foot of his bumper as they come out of the corner and back to the start-finish line under green and heading back up into the S's. Earnhardt's been there a half a dozen times this afternoon, but he has been unable to do anything with Labonte. Let's see if he can do it as they hit turn two again. A classic comparison of driving styles here. The smooth Terry Labonte, the man who tends to throw the car through the S's and up to six, Dale Earnhardt. And you heard Neil Bonnet talk about his unique driving style earlier, which actually doesn't have a title, but it gets the job done. Those three cars 
snaking their way with about 25 more behind them up into turn six. They take that inside groove cleanly, which had problems just a few laps ago, and Levante continues to lead that trio of cars back to turn eight. Up they come to turn eight to make that right-hand turn. Levante eases himself into the turn. Earnhardt, you can see him throwing the car through the turn, and Bonnet just trying to follow through the best he can. Those three come onto the straightaway now, and Labonte will take it over to the side of the track. The rest of them trying to track him down, but he's already beginning to stretch it out as he comes down through that lower part of the racetrack, bottoming out at the bottom of the dip and heading up under the bridge. Out from underneath, Terry Labonte, then Earnhardt, then Neil Bonnet, uh, then Jim Bound is having a real good run here today among the West Coast troops. Harry Gant is right there, and Gant will pull up alongside Bound as they get into the corner. Buddy Baker is there as well, and Dave Marcus. Now, Marcus is a lap down. On the last caution flag, he pitted too soon. The caution flag had just come out when he came to pit road, and he pitted the leader overlapped him when he took the caution, and Labonte stayed on the racetrack. Gant's alongside a bound, and he'll move up. He's the fourth-place car. Back behind Marcus in line, Ricky Rudd's a lap down. Then Bill Schmidt having a good run here today. Ruben Garcia. Bill Elliott still running, though 24 laps down. And then that pack of cars involving Bodine, Lake Speed, Petty, and Bouchard. The cars work their way through the S's now. A lot of the West Coast drivers beginning to make themselves known. Ruben Garcia, he bangs into Blair Aiken. Garcia pulls away. Bill Elliott manages to avoid that battle. And now everybody passes Blair Aiken, who's well off the pace to the inside. Meanwhile, the leaders by now off turn number six on that short shoot between six and eight. And Levante still can't shake Earnhardt. Up the rise into turn eight. One driver that we watched earlier was Jimmy Means passing people on the outside. But that's not where you want to be because you can really get out into the marbles and into the desert sand that surrounds this racetrack. Now Labonte leading them down the straightaway. Earnhardt about a car length off his bumper. Back three car lengths to Neil Bonnet. Harry Gant has worked his way into fourth and Jim Robinson going fifth. Good race going on here at Riverside, California. The largest crowd I've seen and since I've been coming out here for a long, long time on hand today to watch the season ring down. Labonte right now again looks back in that rearview mirror and Earnhardt has been no further than a couple of car lengths back as Neil Bonnet works on Dale Earnhardt for the second spot. Those front three just about a half a car length apart as they work out of turn number nine. It's been a good race up front and good racing back in the pack as they work to the start-finish line. Now let's explain that Ricky Rudd is, he is back with the program. He's right now posted as, I believe he'd be the sixth-place car. He did not lose a lap when they made that unscheduled pit stop, but he went down about 40 seconds in here. That's just exactly half a lap behind, so he is in the top ten as he goes to the S's. Ricky Rudd, he gets through this racetrack fairly smoothly. Buddy Baker is directly ahead of him, and Chuck Bound, or at least Jim Bound, directly ahead of Buddy Baker. Bill Schmidt now beginning to close on the rear flank, one of the top of the West Coast drivers. Then Bodine, Ruben Garcia, Lake Speed, Richard Petty, Jim Robinson, Ron Bouchard, and Darrell Waltrip. That's how they run as Derek Cope will be on the Winston Cup Tour occasionally next year. He takes an off-track excursion, quickly jumps back in line as the leaders are in turn eight. Labonte still not able to shake Dale Earnhardt as they slide through turn eight and come onto the straightaway again. Labonte and Earnhardt drafting down through here, and the only one is falling off the pace a little bit is Neil Bonnet. He's dropped back a bit. Now Labonte begins to use the horses and stretch that Piedmont Chevrolet into turn nine. A lot of racing left here at Riverside, California. 53 laps are on the board at lap number 60, just seven laps from now. They'll run for the $10,000 Barclays American Award, and it's going to be a doozy because there's four cars up there contesting for it at the moment. Here at Riverside, California, 55 laps of the 119 that make up the Winston Western 500 are in the book. Just five laps from now, they'll run for $10,000. The leader of that lap collects ten grand from Barclays American, and it's going to be a good contest up front, Mike. There have been four cars, no less than three right there running for the lead all day.
Well, that's true. Now, Labonte is there. Remember, he stayed on the racetrack. All three of these drivers did. Did not pit under the last caution flag. Bonnet will make his move at turn number nine. He dives underneath Earnhardt, but nothing there as Dale just slams the door in his face, and they come off the corner. They'll be single file once again. Labonte, Earnhardt, Bonnet, and Harry Gant is not too far out of shouting distance. That's the front four as they come off turn number nine. Jim Bowne was running right with them. He is holding on to fifth spot, though he's dropped back a little bit in line, and the four cars racing for the lead head off for the S's once again. They see Bobby Allison ahead of them. Bobby has just come off pit road after more work on the Miller American car. Harry Gant now, he is particularly strong. We commented on this earlier. He's strong going uphill, or maybe it's because we get the best look of the uphill segment of the racetrack, but Gant now closes. He chops some three or four car lanes off the deficit he has. Back into turn number six, Harry is just some six car lanes behind the front three and those front three cars still unchanged on the short shoot from six to eight Levante, Earnhardt and Bonnet they bump, now bump right up on each other that is to say muscle up on each other's tails as they come through the eighth turn and work their way onto the back stretch Labonte still has the edge but it's not by very much now Earnhardt sits about a car length and a half behind him. Bonnet's a car length and a half past Earnhardt. And they're heading down into the under the bridge. Harry Gant's going to have to hustle if he wants to catch them for that Barclays money. Harry Gant was right up there a moment ago. Now he's slipped back maybe two seconds behind the front three. Here goes Bonnet. He's going to drive underneath Dale Earnhardt into turn number nine and maybe take away that second spot. Might have caught Dale napping there for just a second. Earnhardt tried to get underneath him in the middle of the corner, and Bonnet just sticks his race car right down almost in the dust to hold him off. Earnhardt will chase him out of turn number nine. That's going to allow Bonnie, uh, Labonte a little breathing room to get away by 10 or 15 car lengths. As moving up into the number two position, Neil Bonnet. They're working back to the S's. Well, Bonnet's happiest on this racetrack when he's got somebody near him to race against. Here, and I've been erratic, and I ran erratic on the racetrack. And then if you ever get things going right and, and just seem to fall together, that you come off this corner, you line up good for the next one, you ease down in that one, and you're a lot better exit out of the corner into the next one. And, and then when you look at the stopwatch, you've got a better lap. What's awkward about this thing for me is if you drive real aggressive and feel like you're just beating the racetrack to death and turning a good lap, you're running lousy. The time that you run that lap that's fairly comfortable, that you stay on course good, that you you have good entry and exit to all turns, that's when the time laps are good. So what's got to happen, you've got to reach a happy medium. You've got to be aggressive to the point where you're going as fast as you possibly can with a little bit of rhythm and ride where the car is doing what you want to do instead of chasing it all the time. He was aggressive a moment ago, and it got him second spot. Barney, he's going to hold that around this time by. But Labonte is hanging on to that lead, and he is, it is not shortening up at all as they come out from under the bridge. 57 laps are on the board. It'll be 58 this turn around as Terry Labonte has still a little daylight between himself and Neil Bonnet. But Bonnet is taking that car into turn number nine as hard as we've seen anyone do all day. And, Ned, we talked about a driver can hustle a race car here, and if you're willing to maybe risk a little something going in there, you can pick up a little ground. It is a little risky at times, Barney, but certainly you can pick up some ground, and Nobody knows how to hustle that race car, as you say, better than Neil Bonnet, and he's certainly hungry for that money, so he'll pull all stops out. Bonnet chases Labonte up over turn number one and goes back into the S's, and now the separation Eli Gold among those front four is just about equal at about, what, 10 or 15 car lengths. Yeah, I would think just about all the way back from the first place car back to fourth place. They'll all snake their way through. Jim Bound has broken free quickly enough, and he's running in fifth. Just a couple of laps from now, they'll be running for the $10,000 award, and we'll cover it when we come back. 
Terry Labonte has pushed his Piedmont Airline Chevrolet for everything it has, and as he comes out of turn number nine, he's going to pick up $10,000 for leading lap number 60 here at Riverside, California. Neil Bonnet gave it a good shot right behind him, but just didn't seem to have the stuff to do it. Let's go to the Piedmont Airline pits. Well, Steve Mills standing with me, the crew chief. Uh, Steve, your driver just picked up 10 grand. That's got to make you awful happy. Well, we're tickled with the whole week, and we set a track record and sat on the pole, and we've led to halfway point. We about 60 laps on down the road, we hope to do a little bit better, but that's not quite for certain yet. Well, jubilation in the Piedmont Airlines pits, Marty, and uh, they're $10,000 richer. Well, that picked up a pretty good award, and Ned Jarrett was in Neil Bonnet's pits to see if they might have anything left, and Ned, they gave it a good shot, just couldn't do it. Well, they certainly did. We're standing by with Tim Brewer, the crew chief. Tim, he did give it a good shot, but uh, he just couldn't quite do it. You know, we, we got a little problem up there. You know, he run the car awful hard. You know, probably over revved the motor, blew out a little bit of smoke. You know, we fired a shot at him. We just missed. Does he, uh, he's not, hasn't lost a cylinder, has he? Not hadn't lost a cylinder. I think he just missed a gear over there and kind of turned a few RPMs a little bit more than he was supposed to have. And it put a little bit more oil than we normally have up on the top up the side of the motor. Okay, Barney, that's what we were talking about. It's risky when you uh, when you turn it all out, but uh, he had to give it a shot. Well, it's worth $10,000, so you got to go for that, that's for sure. The battle right now is shaping up for second spot as there's three cars locked together there while Terry Labonte has opened up a little daylight as Neil Bonnet looks in his mirror, coming strong on him as Earnhardt, and here's Harry Gant about to move around Dale Earnhardt, and Earnhardt's car doesn't seem to be working like it was. He's off the pace going into turn number nine. He got off the course, coming up over turn number one, lost even more ground as he's in front of Eli Gold. And we talked earlier how Harry was making up some distance. He is now Gant, that is, merely a couple of car lanes behind Neil Bonnet. They snake their way right and left through the pit area, or it should be through the S's area, I should say. Labonte continues to pull away, but right now, that second place battle awfully tight as Neil Bonnet has merely a half car length on Gant. Gant just up by a car length on Dale Earnhardt heading to eight. Off into eight they come. Labonte still leading the way by a good margin. Harry Gant closes in on the bumper of Neil Bonnet as they work their way through turn eight now. Make the right hand turn and now shift left coming out onto the straightaway. And Labonte is already about 15, perhaps even 20 car lengths ahead of your second place car, Bonnet. But then it's Bonnet, Gant, and Earnhardt running right nose to tail down in the straightaway and down underneath the bridge. Labonte, the race leader, comes out from under the bridge and heads down the end of that straightaway toward turn nine. He's got a 1.8 second lead. Bonnet is second, Gant is third, fourth is Earnhardt, fifth is Jim Bound, or fourth is Gant, fourth is Earnhardt, excuse me, fifth is Jim Bound, sixth now is Ricky Rudd, and seventh is Jeff Bodine. Let's go to pit road. Jerry? We're in the Dale Earnhardt pits, Mike, and uh, the car owner, Richard Tillers, is with me. Richard, uh, Dale seems to be dropping back a little bit. He lost third spots again. Is there a problem with the car? Well, we were trying to keep up with Terry there at the halfway point to make that run for that, and uh, he got the car, the tires real hot and slid back. So now we're Troubling. back to our original pace and original deal. So uh, everything's okay other than the tires being hot. Richard Petty has spun off the race course at turn number nine. He was the seventh place car and was moving back up in the field. He was one of the few cars that made a pit stop under that last caution. But Barney looks like he did not hit the wall, and he's got it right, and he's underway again. He came down on the apron of the racetrack and got out into the dirt, but he'll come on to pit road because every time they do that, Ned, they need to come and check those tires, make sure they didn't cut them down. Let's go. Well, they do. He's got a little bit of damage to the right front of the STP Pontiac. Uh, they, they will go to the left side to change those tires first. They're looking at the right side tires. We're standing on that side of the car. 
car, it looks okay. Richard had an awfully good run here today. They had some engine problems earlier in the week here. They had to change about three different times. Now they are coming around. It will be a four-tire change for Petty. They should be able to do that and keep them in the lead lap. Well, the tires may be the story of this race today. They're so critical here at Riverside. You put on four new ones and you go out there, and after you put five or six laps on them, your lap speeds can fall off as much as a couple of seconds around. And they did wave the tire rule here this morning after a lot of the drivers and car owners had talked about it all week long that they felt like they should NASCAR made that decision this morning and we understand they could be running a little short of tires yes they could be Barney Hall because most of them have been putting on those four tires as uh, they make each of those pit stops a good year didn't come here prepared for that Bobby Allison is back in Wayne Bumgarner goes under the hood they still have not got that oil leak repaired he was just black flagged the last time around so Bobby having his problems here today but in the tire situation the cars that fall out the top runners are quickly going down for instance Tim Richmond they came down to his pits from Terry Labonte's pits and got uh, bought his tires and we'll see that going on here all afternoon because there could be a shortage before it's all over as far as new tires are concerned so we may see some of those four tire changes the crews will be checking them over to make sure they're all right and they may go back on the car before the day is over let's take you back through the field a bit the way they were running at the halfway sign and that would include of course terry labonte the race leader who picked up the money from barclays american for leading the halfway lap neil bonnet the second place car Dale Earnhardt was third, he's now dropped to fourth. Harry Gant is the third place machine. Ricky Rudd has moved up to fifth, dropping Jim Bound to sixth. Jeff Bodine is seventh. In eighth is Buddy Baker. Richard Petty was ninth before that pit stop. Running in tenth is Lake Speed. Darrell Waltrip's going around Ron Bouchard. That puts Waltrip 11th and Bouchard 12th. 13th is Bobby Hillen. Running along in the 14th position, Ruben Garcia. 15th is Jim Robinson, Winston West driver. 16th is Rusty Wallace. Back in 17th, Glenn Sturrer. And in 18th, Herschel McGriff. So that gives Robinson a firm command for the moment on the Winston West Point Championship that's also at stake here today. So as the leader crosses the start-finish line, Labonte is now just a little over two seconds ahead of Neil Bonnet. But the scramble continues to be for that second spot as Harry Gant has been right on the bumper of Neil Bonnet. So has Dale Earnhardt there up in front of Eli Gold. Dale Earnhardt now has dropped off about a couple car lanes, maybe three car lanes from Harry Gant. And as they go uphill towards turn three and starting through the S's, they're each about two car lanes apart. Lake Speed got off the course moments ago. You get off the course here, but within a few yards, you're back on track. Lake Speed went about a half mile in the dirt before he went. He just said, the heck with it. He straightened out the S's by taking it right through the dirt all the way up to turn number six. The leaders, meanwhile, are working from six towards eight, back towards Dave Sutherland. Off the turn they come, and they're working at it real hard. Terry Labonte is really putting some distance on them now as they come down out of turn eight and onto the straightaway, but the battle behind them is still Bonnet, Gant and uh, Earnhardt as they fight their way down the straightaway. Probably three, two-second lead by Labonte at this point as they come down underneath the bridge. Another couple of nice battles going on back in the pack. You'll see coming up probably off of turn six now and into turn eight as some of the back markers, including uh, the group that includes Bobby Hillen, Je um, Ron Bouchard, and Darrell Waltrip. Well, the season closes here today at Riverside, California, and I guess Dale Earnhardt summed it up best, the feelings of all the drivers. I asked him if he was kind of glad the year was over, and his answer? Well, I, I'm sort of glad the year's over, but I'm not ready to quit racing. Uh, I'm, you know, I like to have a little bit of a break, but I'm, you know, I'm ready to go back racing in a week or so. I'll be, you know, be antsy and ready to get back at it. But, uh, you know, we test through the winter and uh, do a lot of things for, through the winter that really took up the slack from what it used to be. And, you know, you, as soon as the season gets over, you're thinking about next year and what you're going to do and where you're going to test and what, what's on the schedule for the, for the winter. So 
we're not that bored like we used to be, and we do get to run a little, so, you know, it, it's not long till February comes around. At Riverside, California, we may see a couple of pit stops here in a lap or so around. And remember Terry Labonte and Harry Gant did not pit on the last time that most of the cars came onto pit road. For an update on that, first let's go to Jerry Punch. We're in the Terry Labonte pits party, and uh, they did not come in. They wanted to pick up the 10,000. They've achieved that mark. Uh, now they probably will pit in the next uh, lap or two. Possibly lap 70 will be their pit stop. They will they plan on a tire change and fuel. They will have to make one more pit stop after lap 70, possibly about 105, with about 10 to 15 laps to go. Of course, caution could dictate that, but uh, they're going to make their next stop here in about two laps. Here's the Winston West Point leader, Jim Robinson, the Hammer Security Systems Oldsmobile. He's on pit road. It's going to get left side tires and a tank of gasoline as well. Herschel McGriff had been running just two car lengths behind him in their battle for the Winston West Championship. Let's pause 10 seconds for station identification. Robinson completes his service, and here's Derek Cope on pit road and in a 7-Eleven car painted up just like Kyle Petty's, but carrying number 07 this afternoon. And Barney, I guess we can see him back east and run some Winston Cup races in 1986. I understand he plans to come back there, and they have not yet really determined how many races they might run next year. Oh, Barney, five. I think he's going to run five races and then hopefully go for the Winston Cup championship. Uh, the rookie title in 1987, and he would run the full West and West circuit next year with Peterbilt Trucks as the sponsor. That's the first time we've seen one of the big-time truck companies come in as a full sponsor on the car. At least he came off pit road. He had a, one of the Union, Unical gas cans hanging in there, and they stopped him up at the end of the pits and get that out, and Derek Cope goes back onto the speedway. Then I think Harry Gant's going to be coming in also very shortly, as we said, because it looks to be quite a bit of activity over there. Travis Carter, the crew chief on that car, is uh, standing up next to pit wall with the board, the uh, board that they signal him with in hand, they will sort of wait until Terry Labonte. They're going to maybe let him make the move. And Neil Bonnet, of course, uh, did not make a pit stop during that last caution either. So all of those cars will be coming in before too long. So we'll see those two cars on pit road. If you're wondering what's happened to Darrell Waltrip, we haven't been talking about him that much. He's doing exactly what he needs to do. He's just riding along out there anywhere from fifth spot back to seventh, eighth, and staying giving himself a little breathing room in case somebody does have a problem, explode an engine or something in front of him, he'll have room to get out of it. His counterpart, of course, had a shot to win the Winston Cup Championship earlier here this afternoon, Bill Elliott, lost the transmission in his machine and spent 23 laps behind the pit wall. They have repaired Elliott's car and put him back onto the speedway. He is still some 23 laps behind. And Waltrip was well aware of what was at stake here today and what he needed to do. And he also knew that he couldn't afford to get up front and race for a win in the early going because, as he said, a lot of cars came here to win. And, you know, if we go into this race thinking anything other than run up front and win, all those guys will beat us and we'll lose the championship, and we can't stand that. So he knows that Dale Earnhardt was going to run hard. He knew Gant was. Of course, Ricky Rudd, who hasn't won a race, and a lot of the cars that have not won a race, Mike, that needed to win so bad, they got nothing to lose here. They're going to let it all hang out. Barney, the, the others up front, in front of Walter, though, has to be wondering, including Terry Labonte, who has looked so strong here this afternoon. And the only car really to pass Terry... Uh, rather easily was Walter back early in the race when he wanted to pick up those five Winston Cup bonus points. Now, we heard Junior Johnson say that they were just going to sit back and sort of cool it until the last hundred miles or so and then turn him loose. And so, you know, everybody up in front of him has got to wonder, when's he going to turn that thing loose? Does he have anything left? Well, when they take the bridle off, as they said out here last year, I think Junior said when it comes time, we'll take the bridle off. And every time we've seen him do that, and Waltrip had the stuff left, he sure goes for the win. Well, time would be about lap 96. If Elliott is 24 laps down, that would give just about 23 laps to go in this race, or 22 laps to go in this race. 
and uh, then we'll probably see what Daryl has left once they've clinched that championship. It would certainly be foolish to go out and try and jump to the front of the pack right now. Here's the leader coming down pit road. Terry Labonte is in the pits, and this will be a routine stop for him. He's a little bit of out of synchronization with most of the other cars stopped earlier. Let's go to Jerry Punch. The Piedmont Airlines Chevrolet comes to a halt. The crew, Steve Meal, has the air, air riches. They will change left side tires. Bob Labonte, Terry Junger, brother Bobby Labonte, working on the car. They will change left side tires. One tank of fuel in, one can of fuel in. They will make an adjustment on the chassis. It's hard to believe the car may be in handling, but it isn't. They're really cranking on the right rear wedge bolt in the car. Now they're on the right side of the car, changing right side tires. Timex clock still going. The right side tires are on. Off the jack, 25 and 6 tenths seconds. A little further down pit road, they're going to bring Neil Bonnet in the next time. Harry Gant's crew getting ready to bring him in. They're pitted right side by side. They watched very carefully what they did to the Piedmont Airlines car. So now they say, well, we've got to change four tires too, since he did. Also a problem of sorts for Greg Sachs. The car seemed to just die as he came out of turn two, began going uphill towards three and four in the S's. The car kicked in again, then it slowed down again. So he's at uh, good speed and off speed as he works his way around the course. Very slow going down the back straightaway now. Working his way off the turn, uh, of course, you've got the slow car of Carl Fetty, who's been struggling all afternoon long, but Greg Sachs looks and sounds fine now as he goes by our position. Buddy Baker made his stop on pit road, and Rusty Wallace came in with a lot of smoke beneath the hood, came in the back way toward pit road, and uh, Wallace will get service from the Cliff Stewart crew. Baker had a pit stop a moment ago. He is leaving the Robert Harrington organization, that partnership that they had throughout this year. Roland Wolotico will head up Baker's efforts next year. He's got his own fabrication shop built, his own engine shop underway. And he says road racing out here is not his cup of tea, but he kind of enjoys it, and he's doing a pretty good job today. The thing of it is I can race pretty good when I have other traffic out there to judge how deep to go in the corner and all that. But out on the racetrack by myself, I, uh, I really don't know how far to extend myself. Like on major speedway, I'm perfectly happy and I know exactly what I'm doing. But here, half car length can mean whether you spin out or whether you uh, go through the corner pretty decently. So I don't think my timing is just what I'd like for it to be on a, on a road course, but uh, it's a blast to run. I love it, but it's, it's quite a bit different than uh, major speedways. and. He the thing of it is, I can He was shaking his head about all the time he was saying that, but he's having a pretty good day out there for a fellow who is, is not considered a road racer. He's having a good run here this afternoon, and he told me before, he said sometimes not being real confident in what you can do on a road course and is, is an advantage because you'll race the track more so than you will. Trouble in, right in the middle of turn number nine looks to be Harry Gantz. Cole Bandit has spun off the course and gone down into the dirt. We will remain caution-free. Gant is out of harm's way. We see the dust flying out from under the car now as Gant is trying to get back up on the course and come around the speedway. But Harry Gant, right in the middle of the corner, car just suddenly came out from under him, and he goes off into the dirt. He was the race leader, Barney, was coming around. Who knows if he would make a pit stop this time. He certainly got one due. That will give the lead to Neil Bonnet. And Gant can't get on pit road. Bodine went to pass him on the right side, denying Gant the entry to the pit lane. So Harry will have to stay out come all the way around the racetrack. He may have flat spotted those tires, but he'll be able to pit not until next time by. So Bonnet's the race leader as Lake Speed comes on to pit road, and we'll be right back to Riverside.
Neil Bonnet leads the Winston Western 500 here at Riverside, California. We'll see some more pit stops coming up here. Harry Gant and Ed missed that pit a moment ago. As Mike pointed out, he couldn't get in there, but then he comes right back by and did not come on the pit road last turnaround, and he needs to get on pit road. Yes, it's a little surprising, Barney. He didn't come in that next time around. However, he still seems to be running pretty well, but he does have a pit stop. He almost lost it coming out of turn nine. Boy, he got her completely sideways. He was looking back at turn nine, but... If anybody can straighten it out under a circumstance of that sort, it can be Harry Gant. So he didn't come in that time around. Well, he was running so hard coming out of the corner. Buddy Arrington ducked underneath him to get on pit road, and he might have almost lost the car trying to avoid getting into Buddy Arrington, who was making a pit stop. So that's twice around that Gant has been unable to get into the pits, and he had a good shot of winning this race, may still do it as the laps wind down. 75 are on the board, 119 make up the distance with Neil Bonnet and Ricky Rudd and Jeff Bonine, the top three right Rudd now. Rudd has taken away from First place. Rudd has taken over first place, coming out of eight. Neil Bonnet about to come into the pits to cruise out on Kent Road now. The leader should be just going off turn number eight and down to the back stretch. That's the tricky rod just past Neil Bonnet going down underneath the bridge now as they head for turn nine. Well, it's the second time that Rudd has led today. He led under caution a little bit earlier, but he takes the lead for Bonnet. As Ned pointed out, Neil will be coming to pit row to get his scheduled service. And Bonnet is racing not only for the win here, but also for his point in the Winston Cup point parade for fourth spot it is. And as they come off turn number nine, we'll see if Bonnet heads for pit road or if he stays on the racetrack. Nope, here he comes. We'll go back to Ned. And they're planning to change four tires on it, Mike. We'll see if indeed they do as Bonnie brings the Budweiser Kentucky Fried Chicken Chevrolet to a stop. They go to the left side first. That's the, the tires that take the little bit the most beating here. However, with right and left-hand turns, both sides of tires takes a beating, but they are coming around to change the right side. Well, maybe they're not. No, they're just going to. Yeah, they are. <laughs> they, that, they got me confused, or I guess I confused myself. They are changing all four tires. One of the past champion spark plug rookie of the year drivers is out of the race, standing by with Jerry Putt. Rusty Wallace has parked the Allugard Pontiac, Ned, and Rusty, a tough afternoon for you. What put you out? Well, it looks like we lost another engine. The thing was running. Uh, we started a race, and it just wasn't running right at all. I mean, it was just really running poor. Uh, down the back straightaway, I was getting beat six and eight car lengths, and so it seemed like the, the oil pump was the scavenging right engine was running in its own oil. I don't know what was causing it, but uh, we just couldn't get any power all day long, and uh, it, it had to be some type of oiling problem, and finally it just let go, and it was, uh, I think it was a bearing or something like that, so, but up to that, the crew was doing a fine job, and the engine was running good through practice, but at the start of the race, just something went haywire, and I don't know what it was, and it continued throughout the day. Well, that's Rusty Wallace. Well, everybody's been speculating as to what Rusty Wallace's plans for 1986 were, and if he's still there with Jerry Punch, perhaps Jerry can corner him and maybe pin him down a little bit on that, and possibly he could comment on it. It looks like Rusty has walked away the other way, so we won't get that word. One driver who just made a pit stop and had a lengthy front tire change on the left front has solidified his plans for next year, and that's Ron Bouchard. They announced yesterday. Well, we're just tickled, Mike. Uh, you know, I'm still involved with Valvoline. Uh, they were our sponsor all this year, and they'll be with us again next year. And uh, really the biggest change is that, uh, you know, we're with a new race team. Uh, I'll be driving for Mike Kerb next year. Uh, Mike Beam is the crew chief. And really all new people. It's, uh, you know, in a new body style, we'll be running Pontiacs instead of the Buicks. So. Ron Bouchard will replace Richard Petty in the Mike Kerb car, but he'll miss Jack Beebe, the man who gave him his start in Grand National Racing. Well, he's had some idea of maybe selling the team this year, and then, you know, he looked at maybe running 15 or 18, 20 races, and, and Valvoline didn't really care for that, and I'd right now like to run them all myself, so that's what really put us on different streets. Uh, you know, there's no hard feelings. I've drove for Jack Beebe for five years, and... Uh, 
you know, uh, think of the man as uh, like my stepdad. So, you know, we don't have any hard feelings. It's just we're going to do something different. Well, as we talked about Bouchard's plans, a couple lead cars made their pit stops. Let's go back to pit road. Harry Gant made a pit stop in the Skull Vandy Chevrolet, a very good pit stop. He took on four tires, as did the Neil Bonnet and Terry Labonte cars. Junior Johnson standing out on pit road about to bring Darrell Waltrip in. And Ricky Rudd made his pit stop also just a moment ago as Bud Moore and the Motorcraft team attended to him and put him back onto the speedway. And Bud had told us all week long he felt like they might close out the season with a win here. And Ricky had an unscheduled pit stop early but managed to stay on the lead lap. They had a caution flag that gave him a break to put him right back up in the thick of things, so he's far from being out of it this afternoon. Here are Earnhardt and Labonte chasing Waltrip down into turn number nine. Now Darrell apparently will pit. They're ready for him in the, at the head end of pit road. Earnhardt works his way to the outside around, but Waltrip's not giving up that spot just yet. Now he'll duck to the inside out of the throttle. Earnhardt and Labonte will ease on past, and Darrell comes to the pits right in front of Ned. Of course, he uh, would still stay in the lead lap. Now he was pretty far behind him. That's why they've already made their pit stops and had caught back up to him. So Darrell's going to have a lot of catching up to do. And if he don't get a caution, if they do take the bridle off of that thing and he has anything left, he has a lot of catching up to do. They're changing left side tires, and that's all they do on the Budweiser Chevrolet number 11. He heads back out. But now there's Junior standing on the pit wall, one foot up on the wall, his elbow kind of resting on his knee and watching what goes on. And he spends pretty much the whole race like that. And I cornered him this morning, and I said, you know, your job there as team leader, you're kind of like a football coach. All you can do is stand on the sidelines and watch what happens. But Buddy Baker is off the course. Buddy Baker off the course in turn number two, heading up the S's. The car does not make contact with the outside wall. However, it has come to a total stop, and the nose of the car pointed the wrong direction. He now waits for traffic to clear. He pops the clutch in, and he rolls the car off the dirt, and he'll get back on the asphalt after the next three or four cars go by. But Buddy Baker with a wild ride entering the S's. So Baker's able to continue. So we were talking to Junior. said, you're so calm standing there. You're probably the antithesis of, uh, of John Madden, the football coach. John would yell and scream and wave his arms, and yet you just stand there real quiet. You guys are as opposite as you could be. Well, it's the difference me and John. He had to get out of it because he got so excited. And uh, I want to stay in it a long time. But uh, you can't do nothing about what happens out there. You've done everything you can do as long as you feel like you've done everything you can do before it starts. You've got to be able to accept what happens, and uh, you shouldn't let anything excite you to the point it's, uh, you know, it's going to aggravate you or that type of thing. I just feel like well, we've done our homework and we're ready to go. If something goes wrong, we just go home and fix it. We don't get all excited and, and ramp and rage and carry on. It don't do us any good, and it don't do the, the sport any good. Barney, to give me an ulcer to just stand there and have to watch it all went on and just let it unfold. He appears to, to absolutely be looking at something in the infield at half the racetrack propped up on that pit wall, but he does not miss one thing. You can bet your bottom dollar on that. They're posting Jeff Bodine as the leader. He Her just made a pit stop, Barney. Okay, so that'll drop him out of the lead. and. And Barney, we'll update you when, go ahead. I was going to say, Buddy Baker has now had to pull off the course again up between turns six and eight. He was not able to get back when race traffic permitted, and the car evidently won't get any kind of speed at all. He has now pulled it off. He is well out of everybody's way in the middle of the infield, but he won't be able to continue. It's a bad break for Buddy because he had a good finish coming up here this afternoon. We'll set the field for you when we come back. Limit to the limit, 
Nobody lives it to the limit like a Grand National driver. Listen to Dale Earnhardt. When you're racing on a short track, mostly cars get close together and they may rub. And sometimes you trade paint or scrub paint or scrub the cars together. And you really don't do it intentionally, but it's uh, exciting. And a lot of people would rather see a good short track race than a speedway race because of that. Off the track, Dale has fun in Wrangler jeans, shirts, and casual wear just like his fans do. When you're in a spot and you can't light up, take out, oh, go bandits. Get your programs here. You know, one place you can't smoke is here at the basketball game. But when I want tobacco pleasure, I still make out like a bandit. With Skull Bandits, tobacco in a neat little pouch. Comes in great-tasting mint and wintergreen. So when you can't smoke, make out like a bandit. Take out the little pouch of tobacco pleasure. Take out Skull Bandits. Herschel McGriff makes a pit stop. He's racing for the Winston West Championship with Jim Robinson. And Buddy Baker's on his way back around the racetrack on the back straightaway. Jerry punches in his pit. Well, Mike, they're waiting to hear from Buddy Baker. Booby Harrington standing here, and they, they were waiting to hear. Buddy's going to bring the car in the back entrance of the garage area, so the crew now, the Bullfrog Nitz crew, making their way down to the garage to see what the problem for the Baker car. Buddy just went by us here on the backstretch. He drove all the way down the backstretch on the dirt on the inside of the track and finally got to one of the other exits for the uh, sports car part of the road course here and never did pull it up onto the track. He drove sort of like in the dirt all the way down to the back entrance. Well, he will make it back to the garage here and we'll get a chance to work on that car. Ron Carroll from Barclays American has stepped into the booth and I understand at some point you were thinking of having Harold Kinder just wave a $10,000 bill there for halfway instead of the cross flag sign, but of course if he dropped it he'd be indebted to you folks for the rest of his natural life, so you couldn't quite do that. But we've seen here again today that your folks' interest and participation in the sport has changed the complexion of the race. Two guys that might have made pit stops decided not to, and it kind of changed the way things went here. Well, you know, Mike, we've been saying all year it's a race within a race, and, and it does add a little bit of excitement to the fans, and we're glad about that. Well, and two, Labonte, you just can't fault the way he drives this racetrack. He gets out there in front of everybody and gets around, and both Neil and Dale Earnhardt and Harry Gant all try to take a good shot at him, but when that car is right, he's tough to beat. He's tough. He looks like he's at home here. That's my first trip out here, but he really looks like he was born and raised on this track. You're right. Well, it's, it certainly is a whole different deal for a fellow who's used to watching oval track races, and of course, as we do, 26 times a year, uh, to come here. What about the competition here? It must be real different to watch a race and try to figure out who's running and who's not. Well, I think it's exciting. You know, there's, it looks as if there's no really one place on the track, maybe except for up here where you can see the whole track. And so you have to rely upon the sound system here at the track. And then some of the people that work here have been really good to us, trying to point out which turns the drivers might make a move in, which ones they, they may not. And then naturally, we're down here at turn nine, and we see all the cars coming back down here, gearing down and coming into those turns. It's interesting to watch. Well, you folks have had a great program for Barclays America as Jeff Bodine kicks up the dirt, getting into turn nine. He and Harry Gant battling along for position. We're going to see you back next year. Yeah, I think you're going to see us back next year, Mike. We're right in the, in the middle right now, deciding exactly what it is we're going to do. Uh, I don't think you'll see a, too much of a change in the complexion of the program. We're just trying to decide which races to go into, but uh, one thing we can say for sure, we'll be back with MRN. Well, the drivers all enjoy your program. I know a lot of them were kind of questioning this race ends on an odd lap, 119, so everybody was wondering up and down pit road if it'd be 59 or 60, and we got that squared away, but there's always been a lot of interest, both from the drivers, and I know it gives the fans something interesting and neat to watch, too, at the halfway point, so thanks for being with us. Thank you, Mike, and again, just let me take a minute to thank MRM for everything you've done for us this year. Well, thank you. We're happy that you folks are a part of our program, and, and vice versa. Ron Carroll from Barclays American Financial Services. Scott Aubrey from Texas has pulled off on the inside of turn six. He did so right in front of the leaders, the uh, Terry Labonte and uh, Dale Earnhardt battle. Looks like Labonte's gotten into first place now. 
This is the way they're running on Labonte a moment ago. Has really been dicing with Earnhardt for the lead. He finally took it away also going into turn number nine. They had went in there door to door a couple of times, but it is now Labonte up front. Earnhardt has dropped back to second. Still riding along in third is Jim Bound. And fourth is Ricky Rudd. Back in fifth is Neil Bonnet. Sixth is Jeff Bonine. Seventh should be Harry Gant. And eighth would be Darrell Waltrip. And he is 31 seconds behind the leader. From Riverside Raceway, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Back at Riverside, California, as Bill Elliott's car apparently conked out somewhere up around turn eight, coasted all the way down the back straightaway, and is now coming in what we call the back door here at Riverside, California. And we'll come through the garage area, around through that area, and come on to pit road, and we'll be heading up for a pit stop. And maybe, well, go ahead, Ned. Barney, he could have run out of gas. Uh, he, he came through that back door, as you said, but he's coasting right on up towards uh, his pits, and I'm going to speculate that he ran out of gas. Good possibility because there's no power on the car as Elliott's crew is running down pit road now, and there some of the other teams also coming out to give him a push and get him up there to his pits. Ned, that must be the problem exactly. They pointed to the gas can, and they have one gas can hoisted up as a crew now pushes the car by me into the pits here. The chorus team will bring the Ford. It's not under power. The engine is not running. They will make a routine stop changing left side tires. They will put the union gas in it, but that's exactly what happened. They ran out of fuel. In a season of such success, it's almost unthinkable that such kind of problems could befall them today. If you joined us late, a piece of the gear shifting mechanism that is inside the transmission broke off on that car, and he spent 23 laps behind the pit wall, came out on the racetrack 24 laps down. Now that car's run out of gas, and he may or may not lose another lap to the race leader, who right now is Terry Labonte along with Dale Earnhardt. And third right now is Jim Bound. And again, this is a tremendous story that one of these Winston West racers would come up here at Riverside against the Winston Cup drivers and have a good, good chance to finish in the top five. And certainly if there was going to be anyone with a shot at it, it wasn't Urshan McGriff, it would be this youngster, Barney. He's quite a race driver. He's had a good run here, and the Bound racing family goes back a long, long ways. The name Dick Bound several years ago, he was one of the top contenders. And, Ned, I guess at some time you might have even raced against him. I'm sure I did, Barney, when we were running uh, Riverside here. And maybe it seems like he came back east on a few occasions as well. There was a number of drivers that, from this part of the country that would come back there and run selected races, and certainly he was a good one. Now, there's been a change in the sixth position just a moment ago. It looked like Harry Gant took it away from Jeff Bonine as they went up into the S's. Here is Gant back across the stripe, and indeed he is ahead. As right now, Jeff Bonine has his hands full with Bill Smith going up across the corner. Here's the nine car going back onto the speedway, and it has to be the... The hearts, I guess, of half the racing fans in America go out to this youngster today to lose the championship that way. Nobody wanted it to end up that way. They were hoping, even the, every driver in the garage area, I think even Darrell Waltrip and Junior Johnson said yesterday they would like to see both cars run to their full, as good as they could all day. Nobody have any problem and see how it came out. Well, that's true, and I think Neil Bonnet, who is Waltrip's teammate, kind of summed it up best when he talked about wanting to see them run for the championship, but mechanical failures are always high on the list here at Riverside. One man is trying his darndest to have to take the lead away in being Bill, and Darrell's going to, and I feel like Bill's going to run hard, make Darrell run hard. What I'm afraid of is a, a, a mechanical failure is going to end up dictating the national champion. I, this is the only track we go to with the clutch, the throwout bearing, the brakes, the shifter, the transmission, the rev limiter, the motor being abused. If we've ever been to any racetrack where there's a chance of something breaking, this is it. And I just hate to see the championship come down to one guy falling out because something happened to his car. And I and sincerely feel like that's what's going to happen because you're going to see two guys going at it. Darrell's going to say, I'm going to just ride along behind Bill. But I don't believe Bill's going to give him that option. I believe Bill Elliott is going to run his car in the ground to try to take over the lead and in turn make Darrell 
have to abuse his car some too. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens when it's over. May have been the game plan at the start, and Bonnet called it. Mechanical failure is what has happened here at Riverside. And I think we were looking at yesterday that what was it, Barney, out of the top 20 drivers that come here every year, an average of seven or eight would fall out with blown engines or mechanical problems. It had been about seven cars for the last five races here out of the top 20 teams that ended up with broken engines, and that was a big concern of everybody because here, Ned, you can expound on this probably a little better than I can. When you shift gears six or seven times around this place, the RPM range does go, and it puts a tremendous load on the engine, the transmission, ten times more so than it would any other place we run. Well, it really does, Barney. The fans that have watched a lot of racing, whether it's at the racetrack or on television, they when an engine let goes in a car, more times than not, it's when they go into a turn, when you put the back pressure by decelerating. All right, you add to the fact that you gear down and throw that thrust in there on the engine a number of times during a race, it is extremely hard on it. And then, of course, all the other variables, things that can go wrong here besides the transmission and the clutch and the possibility of flat tires and like Bill Elliott did if you run a little too far and run out of gas and have to coast around, it costs you a lot of extra time. So there is a lot to take in consideration. We're in the uh, Daryl Walters pits right now. I just asked Jeff Hammond when they're going to take the bridle off of that car. He said he and Junior had just talked about it a little bit ago. He says we're thinking about lap 100, but then he got to do a little calculating, and he said that he could uh, maybe do it a little bit before then. Well, if he's there, he was 31 seconds behind a moment ago, and he still has a good shot to win this race here. There's a long ways left. We're just 86 laps into the 119 that make up the Winston Western 500. Walter summed it up at Atlanta a couple of weeks ago about the championship, and I think he put it into perspective. He said having been there before is a big advantage. I don't care what people say. That helps, Barney. I don't care what people say. Uh, it, when it comes down to this time of year, just knowing what kind of shape you're in, knowing what's going to happen. I got a good idea of what's going to happen. I don't have to uh, kind of worry about that. I, I can I let it happen because I know it's going to happen. And I think that's the difference. That maybe sound very confusing, but I think that's one of the differences. Instead of anguishing over what might happen, one thing we've learned is whatever will be will be, and we let that go at its own way. Back at, River, back at Riverside <laughs> as the laps wind down here. There should be 30 to go next time around for the leader, Terry Levante, and we're going to see some more pit stops coming up here very shortly, but there's been several position changes right up in front of Eli Gold last one, time. What has just happened, that was Phil Parsons who had to pull off the racetrack after a lot of smoke from behind the Skull Bandit car number 17. Phil has pulled to a stop, nose first to one of the inside guardrails, but also just as the problems happen on car 17, and Phil is okay. He is getting himself unhooked from his safety paraphernalia. Ricky Rudd just made a move in and around the Dale Earnhardt car and took over second spot, but still some six seconds behind Levante. Well, not only that, but now Neil Bonnet has gone past Earnhardt, and that will kick Earnhardt from second back to fourth position. That car led the race earlier, but has just not performed up to par the last 20 laps or so. Dan Greenwood's joined us in the booth. He runs Riverside Raceway here in California, and we were talking earlier in the broadcast that I don't think any of us have ever seen this many people here for an auto race. It's got to put a smile on your face. It sure does, Mike. We, it was such a late crowd, late rush. We don't know how many yet, but it's easiest. It's the best crowd we've ever had for the Winston Western 500, 
and maybe the best in the history of the track. Well, there's no question that this point battle has certainly attained a lot of interest, not just back on the East Coast, but here in the greater Los Angeles area as well. The question on the race fans' minds, though, is what's going to happen here at Riverside? There have been so many stories and rumors about other facilities being built, this facility being sold, and I guess the immediate question is if there will be racing here in 1986. There will be racing here in 1986, Mike. As a matter of fact, our two sanction agreements for 1986 are in the hands of NASCAR, signed by us. So we will have the Budweiser 400 and the Winston Western 500 again here in 1986. In the meantime, we are looking, looking, looking for a new facility. We had a long meeting yesterday with NASCAR officials and with R.J. Reynolds people. Uh, we're all serious about it. We are not going to give up till we find a place to put a new motorsports complex. Well, we're happy to hear that. I think everyone enjoys the trip out to California twice a year and certainly the chance to put what is America's best auto racing show, uh, put it on for the folks here in California, something we all look forward to. Well, thank you, and we want to do it in a brand-new motorsports complex with a mile-and-three-quarter oval and give the Southern Cali California racing fans this show at its best. We hope to see that someday, and meanwhile, we'll look forward to coming back here next season. Dan, thanks for stopping by with us. Thank you, Mike. Ricky Rudd is trying to chase down the leader, Terry Labonte, and he's cut it down to around five seconds. They should be up in the S's. They just pass us now. They also pass the scene where Ken Schrader moments ago looped his automobile twice, did two complete 360s, then ended up pointed in the right direction, and off he went again. But Rudd is up to the turn six area. Rudd is now about five and a half seconds behind the leader. Labonte, is a, Labonte goes into turn eight. He's got one slower car between them. Ought to be able to get him in the back straightaway. Ricky Rudd working his way through turn eight now. It's the Eddie Bierschwald car that's ahead of him. Labonte is already heading down the back straightaway, about a quarter of the way down now as they come along. Rudd is not going to catch him this time through. He's far too far away, at least a half a straightaway behind. Richard Petty's on pit road with the STP Pontiac. Let's go down. This should be his last pit stop, Mike Joy. He's a little bit off sequence, too, because he had a flat tire spun. You remember a while back in turn nine came in. This should uh, be his last one, though. He should be able to run the rest of the distance. They just changed the left side tires on the STP Pontiac, and he's on his way. And, Marty, I'm in the Wrangler pits, and there may be a problem with Dale Earnhardt. Richard Childress and Kirk Shelmerdine are standing beside me talking here. He has lost four seconds on a la the last time by. He slowed almost four seconds a lap, so they're concerned about a possibly a tire going down. Dale says the car is awfully loose in the S's, and maybe bring him in next time by. Well, there's been a problem on his car for at least 15 or 20 laps because Dale has continued to lose ground as Ricky Rudd crosses the stripe behind leader Terry Labonte. The interval now has lengthened instead of shortened. And a moment ago, he was chasing down Labonte. It's now in, ended up about six seconds as he works back up to turn four. They're through the S's right now. We're watching Dale Earnhardt as he comes through the S's so far cleanly through three and four up to turn five. Earnhardt's still okay. Now to six and Bob Steinberg. Earnhardt coming into turn six. Looks like he's got a pretty good handle on the car. Takes it over the ripple strip on the inside. Six is getting pretty slippery. The leader Labonte is coming out of turn eight, and Ricky Rudd's going to have a problem. Uh, Labonte had to battle his way around Buddy Arrington to get out of turn eight and maintain that lead. He's got some more lap traffic ahead of him in terms of J.D. McGuffey, and right now Rudd has gained at least a couple of seconds on your leader. John Sora's car has shredded a right front tire and flailing sheet metal, and what's left of that tire, he comes limping onto pit road. One of the California drivers bypasses Bobby Allison, who's getting service uh, from his crew. Let's take a little further back in the field here. 91 laps have been completed. At 90, the race leader, Terry Labonte. In second, Ricky Rudd. In third, Neil Bonnet. In fourth, Dale Earnhardt. Fifth was Harry Gantt. Sixth was Jeff Bodine. Seventh, Darrell Waltrip. In the eighth position, 
was Lake Speed. Richard Petty was ninth just before his pit stop. Ron Bouchard was 10th. 11th was Jim Bound. Back in the 12th position, Glenn Sturrer, and 13th, the Winston West Point leader, Jim Robinson. Those are the cars on the lead lap. Well, something must have happened that last lap around somewhere on the course because Ricky Rudd has now chopped down the interval between himself and the leader to about two and a half seconds what as he's in front of Eli Gold. What happened was between turn five and turn six, Terry Labonte got jammed in behind Glenn Sturrer, and I believe Jim Robinson as well. Nothing happened with Terry except he couldn't get by. The track was blocked in front of him. Meanwhile, Rudd and the rest had clear sailing and that's why the differential. The track's all-time winner is off the pace Herschel McGriff of Bridal Veil, Oregon trying to win the Winston West Championship and a lot of what looked like rear end smoke as he came past the start-finish stripe and a couple of cars went by him before he even went in to turn number two. So McGriff slowing uh, if they can't get that problem repaired Jim Robinson would clinch that Winston West Championship. Ricky Rudd trying to pull off a win. They've went all season long and been so close to getting into victory lane and that Bud Moore forward and have not been able to do it. But Riverside's been a course that seemed to favor young first-time drivers to win their first race here. And I ask him why. I think a lot of it, the younger drivers today that are coming up, uh, a lot of the young drivers haven't ran 20, 30 years on ovals only. Where the guys that, uh, you know, the, the, the guys that like uh, your Allison, of course Allison runs awful good here, but there's a lot of the veterans that come out here and run that, you know, are here and they don't necessarily really enjoy it. Yep. And, and they probably ran 20, 30 years before they ever saw a road course for the first time. I think I'd only raced two or three years when I first saw this road course. So I think a lot of it, I came into it with an open mind. A lot of the younger drivers don't have a lot of bad habits to try to undo. So you come out here, and it's it's a lot of fun. It's like the, it, it sort of compares to maybe driving uh, hard on a, on a road car on the street. It's a lot of fun. Experience uh, isn't as critical here as it says it would be, say, at a say at a Martinsville somewhere where you really have to know how to conserve your equipment. Guys can come out here, they run hard. There's no particular way you have to drive this track. Some guys run over aggressive, they're in the dirt all the time, but yet they're still winning races here. The other guys you see out here run smooth. They look like they're not going very fast, but uh, never hang a wheel in the dirt all day long, and yet they win races. So there's not really any one particular driving style that is right or wrong on this racetrack and uh, sort of a, a freelance type thing. Anybody's driving style that, that comes out here is not necessarily a right or wrong way to drive it. Well, Rudd's answer is right on the money as far as Richard Petty's concerned. He says road racing, sir, or this, as opposed to circle track racing, has changed a whole lot for him since the 1960s and 70s. Well, I'm probably not as good a race, road racer as a lot of the younger boys. A lot of them went to school. A lot of them really concentrate on running Riverside, and, you know, I just come and run. And, uh, you know, back 10, 12 years ago, we won a bunch of races out here, but the competition wasn't as uh, much as it is now, and we were running against... Uh, Grand National drivers that hadn't run any more road courses than I had. So, you know, from that standpoint, it was okay. But like I say, since then, you've got a lot of young bucks that come along and have sort of concentrated on uh, on running the road course deal. And, uh, you know, I, that's, that's one thing I'm looking at as far as, uh, you know, the next two or three years where we'll start running a lot of road courses. Uh, I guess I'm going to have to go back to school and sort of learn a little bit about what's going on also. We're here at the volleyball finals with Sharon Spike the Ball Mahoney. It's a hot one out there. How you holding up? Good now, but we've got to make those serves come. Hey, it's in my geraniums again. And <laughs> keep the ball out of the neighbor's yard. Sorry. Gatorade is thirsting. Summertime exertion and summertime heat give your whole body a deep down thirst. Refreshing Gatorade Thirst Quencher helps replace the potassium and minerals you lose when you exercise. Uh-oh. Gatorade is thirsting for the deep down body thirst. Limit to the limit. 
here's Dale Earnhardt. The race fan can relate with the type of racing we're doing. They drive the same cars we drive on the racetrack, on the street. You know, they have a Monte Carlo, so they come and pull for Chevrolets. And then, too, you were uh, sponsored by Wrangler Jeans, and uh, you wear Wrangler Jeans. They might wear Wrangler Jeans just because they like you. Dale lives it to the limit when he's not driving, too. He wears Wrangler clothes for fit and comfort, and because they go anywhere, anytime. Got a quick recap on Dale Earnhardt's pit stop from Jerry Punch. Four-tire change, Mike. That'll be his final stop, hopefully, for the Wrangler team. The 27 and 8, 10 seconds, pretty good stop. They did not see a tire down. They're checking the tires here, so maybe something else, but Earnhardt is picked back up on the clocks. Here's Terry Labonte right in front of you. Terry Labonte will bring the Piedmont Airlines Chevrolet in for a pit stop as Labonte makes his move up pit road. They will change the left side tires. One can of fuel in. It will come around and make it a four-tire change. Final stop for the Piedmont Airlines car as Labonte. They have the right side tires off. Timex clocks are going. The tires back on. Both cans of fuel in. Bobby Labonte, Terry's younger brother, at the rear of the car. Off the jack. Pete Wright drops the jack. 27 and 2 tenths seconds. Labonte's down and away. So Labonte, who has pretty much dominated this race today, is back on course. 95 laps complete. 24 to go here at Riverside, California. From Riverside, this is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Back at Riverside, California, a moment ago, Dale Earnhardt was in. Then the leader, Terry Labonte, came in and made his stop. And now Neil Bonnet is in the pits in the vicinity of Ned Jarrett. He's taking on all four tires on the Budweiser Kentucky Fried Chicken car, Barney. Good pit stop for him. He's already out. That should be his last stop. And we're in the Darrell Walter pits. Junior Johnson and Jeff Hamlin and the rest of the crew here are doing a little bit of calculating. And according to our calculations, you fellows have won the Winston Cup championship, Jeff, according to our calculations. Congratulations. Well, thank you, Ned. Uh, it's been a long, hard uh, season, and uh, well, right now, you know, it hadn't really all sunk in. I guess we're still we're just discussing what we can do here to get back in this race. We feel like we've got a car that is capable of running with Labonte and uh, Neil and a couple of them. We can get us a little break here, I think, for the caution flag and close it back up. I hope we can maybe, uh, you know, I guess make what you call a clean sweep of it. I'd love to be able to win this race in the championship all in one day. Okay, they're gonna, they know, Barney, that they're going to have to have a, a caution flag to be able to do that as far behind as they are right now. Well, he is a long ways back, and he's run the kind of race you had to, and that really hurts a driver like Darrell Waltrip or Cale Yarbrough or the drivers over the years who have had to come out here, or any of them for that matter, to come and have to run a, a certain position in front of the guy you're knocking heads with a championship for because they all want to go out there and win, and to have a car underneath you that's capable of winning must be very difficult to kind of throttle yourself back and just ride and do what you have to do, but you don't have any choice. No, not when you're used to flogging that car every lap, every day, every time you get in it. It's got to be different. Jack Ingram said as much at Martinsville when he had to win the championship to rest it from Jimmy Hensley. He had to finish in a certain position, and it, it wasn't really racing, but it was the order of the day. It was what he needed to do, and, and of course, he did it well in Waltrip. is been driving by wire or driving on orders these first 95 or so laps, and we'll see what he can do with a few laps left. For Junior Johnson, it's his sixth championship as a car owner in the last nine years. Three with uh, Cale Yarbrough and now three with Waltrip. The three with Cale were consecutive. Nobody had ever done that before or since, win three straight titles. So it would be his sixth of the last nine years for Junior. Well, he's had a fantastic year, despite the fact that Bill Elliott has also had a year that will go down in the history of NASCAR. No question about that. I kind of doubt if anybody's going to equal what he won, over $2 million this year in 11 super speedway races to break a record that David Pearson held for a long, long time. But Waltrip has kind of got overlooked in the shuffle in one way. He has won, I think, three races this year, and Waltrip is going to go over the million-dollar mark. And, Ned, they said a few years ago that a two-car team would not work. Well, maybe it has and maybe it hasn't. They have not won the number of races that they had with a single-car team in seasons past where they were picking up four, five, six, eight, and nine wins. 
but as far as the business end of it is making money and, and getting some winners and finishing in the top five, I think the two-car team, you'd almost have to say, has been a success for Junior Johnson. I would say so, Barney, and I don't think the fact that Darrell Waltrip hasn't won as many races this year as he has in past years has had uh, the fact that they've had two cars has not had anything to do with that. I think it's just that there are so many more capable winners out there, and then you look at the fantastic year that Bill Elliott has had this year. He's not only beat Darrell Waltrip, he's beat everybody. So uh, I think those are the reasons. It's not the two-car operation that has has hurt them as far as number of wins, but then when you look at the number of dollars that he has taken in, he will go well over a million dollars. He's coming in right now for what should be his final pit stop. He'll take on four tires, but, uh, you know, he, it's a super year for him, and Neil Bonnet has had a good year as well. Now, Waltrip is in the pits right now. They go to the left side first, handing something cool to drink. They're congratulating him on being the champion right now, and uh, they'll take on right side tires as well. So. Bonnet is smoking, going between six and eight. Not bad, but a little bit. Well, now, here's the fellow who's really been neglected in the whole shuffle is Neil Bonnet. People are saying, well, Daryl had such a great year, and you guys had a lousy year. It was not a lousy year for Neil Bonnet. Well, a bad year was last year when I didn't settle on the pole any. I missed the Bush class previously winning two of them in a row. I didn't make the Winston. No victories. Uh, a bad year is, is a non-victory year. Well, I've won two races this year and been in position to possibly win three more. We, we had what was a fairly good season. Bill Elliott had something no one's ever heard of before. But uh, I can't help but think that if we do our job, we'll have a better year next year. So Neil Bonnet, his thoughts as he puffs a little bit of smoke out from beneath that Budweiser Chevrolet, and he's real tight in the point battle. Never mind the battle for the Winston Cup Championship. Bonnet is just 25 points ahead of Jeff Bodine in that race for fourth, and there's a lot of money different there. Ricky Rudd is right in there with him. One of those three drivers will finish fourth, so he's still got a lot to race for today. 20 laps to go here at Riverside, California in the Winston Western 500. Final note on the NIMSA race at Daytona. Don't go down there December 2nd. You'll be disappointed. The race is Sunday, December 1st. Practice and qualifying begins on Friday afternoon, 29th of November, the day after Thanksgiving. Sunday, December 1st, that's the race. The Eastern Airlines three-hour for the IMSA Camel GT cars and the IMSA Camel GT banquet will follow that evening all at Daytona International Speedway. Got a couple of more critical pit stops coming up for Ricky Rudd and Harry Gant, who are now riding first and second with 101 laps on the board. We'll see them coming onto pit road here in just a moment. And it, it would be nice if Ricky Rudd or some of the drivers that have yet to win a race in 1985 could have pulled one out of the fire here today, and they may yet do it, but Ned, the, the pit stop toward the end of this thing and then getting back out there and having a 12-second deficit to make up is almost impossible. Well, it is. It's awfully tough, uh, Barney Hall, and especially Gant, where he was running right. In fact, he was leading the race when he spun out. He is coming into the pits right now. This will be his last pit stop. Ricky Rudd, of course, was not too far behind Terry Labonte before Labonte made his stop, so he could still be in very good shape. Here comes Gant down pit road right now. Travis Carter out on pit road. He's a crew chief on that car, bringing Gant to a stop. And they go to the right side. That's a little surprising. Only going to take on right side tires on the Skull Bandit car. They'll fill it up with the Unical gasoline, send him back on the way. So they're going to try to pick up about 8 or well, probably 10 or 12 seconds here by just changing the right side tires. Labonte goes by, and here goes Gant out of the pit. So he's going to be in pretty good shape. They drop the jack, and Harry Gant comes up to speed going down pit road and get back onto the course here, and a seven or eight second savings on pit road is a lot of distance on this racetrack. Well, it is, Barney, and he, another championship to be decided today. One of the drivers involved in that battle is having trouble. Herschel McGriff is on pit road for the second time in ten laps or so. Jerry punches up in that vicinity. 
Well, well, they have had a discussion, Mike, uh, Bud Moore and Greg Moore and the crew have been talking about the pit stops here for Ricky Rudd, and the, this is the discussion. The strategy will be one of two things. They will bring the car in and top it off with fuel only. they got to put a whole can in to finish the race. It'll take them about 15 seconds, they think, to get a whole can of fuel in the car. So why not change two tires? They can do the tire change while the fuel's going in. They will put probably two left side tires on the car, try to get him out in under 15 seconds. He'll have fresh left side rubber to race him with. Maybe he can hang on. Well, I don't think he's going to be able to win the Winston West Championship, but he could come up with a pretty good finish here today. Herschel gets around this place about as well as anyone. There's a lot of good talent on the West Coast and a lot of drivers that come here. Bill Smith's had some outstanding runs. Of course, Jim Robinson always runs well here and on the entire circuit out here. And he told us he'd had a great year this year on the Winston West Tour. Yes, uh, the year's been real good to me. You know, we'll know Sunday afternoon about probably 2 or 3 o'clock whether it's going to be excellent or not because we're 13 points ahead in the championship chase right now. And... Uh, uh, hopefully come Sunday afternoon we'll still be a few points ahead to win our third championship but overall the year has been excellent. Well it looks like he's about to lock it up here this afternoon and he also has dreams of coming back east and running on the full schedule back there on the NASCAR Tour and maybe in a year or so if he can put together some sponsorship that's exactly what he plans to do. Well he was at Atlanta two weeks ago and tried to make the show towed all the way out there from California had a disappointing tow back all the way here to California but just two weeks ready to get uh, to get ready for their season finale. J.D. McDuffie on pit road, the Rumpel Furniture Pontiac. J.D. will get right side tires as he comes along to a finish here at Riverside, California and end another season. Mike, uh, we're in the Herschel McGriff pits, and they just came back in again for another stop, and the transmission has been stuck in third gear for about the last six or seven laps. They come in, he can't get much speed out of it. Obviously, he'll over-rev the engine, but uh, they try to get it out of gear. They, they sit here for about a half to two-thirds of a lap and run him back out for a lap so he doesn't lose too much time, but it's going to cost him valuable time and probably will cost him a championship here in the Winston West Division. Tough break for Herschel McGriff. He's the leading winner at this racetrack. He's been competing here for many, many years. And as Barney said, started in the 40s. He ran the first Southern 500 and I believe he's the only active driver in NASCAR stock car racing that competed in the first Southern 500 at Darlington Raceway. Today's Winston Western 500 is another event in the Gatorade Circle of Champions, comprised of eight different NASCAR racing series that make up the Gatorade Circle of Champions. Yesterday, the Pep Boys 300 NASCAR All-American Challenge Series race here at Riverside went to Herschel McGriff out of Bridalvale, Oregon. The Stanton Industries Camaro completed the 72 laps, won $6,600. Kevin Rineker was second. Dick Cobb, Tom Haffer, Don Ewing rounded out the top five. John Wilson, Rick Graney, Tom Hansen, Steve Bear, and Marta Leonard were the top ten drivers here yesterday in the preliminary event to today's Winston Western 500. 104 laps are on the board, 15 to go. Ricky Rudd, Terry Labonte, Neil Bonnet, the driver set to contest this one to come down to the finish. Neil Bonnet try, had a puff of smoke a bit earlier, but no further report of that from his Budweiser Chevrolet. Mike Joy, you can almost see the way Darrell Waltrip's handling the car now, the way he's driving that he knows he has clinched the championship. He made a couple of pretty nifty passes in the past couple of laps going into six and going into eight. And here's Ricky Rudd making his move down pit road. Rudd will bring the Motocraft forward in for that final pit stop. Bud Moore has the big red Motocraft sign out on pit road. As Rudd will bring the car and he will move the car over to the right side against the pit wall. They will put two left side tires on as they told us a few minutes ago. Their strategy will be two tires only and one can of fuel. Tires are off the car now. They're going to put another can up while they're changing tires, cleaning the windshield. Bud Moore says drop it, drop it. They drop the car. Ricky Rudd down and away. 
14 and 9, 10 seconds. Good, good stop for Ricky they Rudd. They drop the jack, and here comes Terry Labonte, who's going to sweep by Ricky Rudd to take over the lead as he works back into the S's. He might not be able to do it because Rudd comes up to speed in front of Eli Gold. Ricky got through the gearbox in a hurry. He had a 20-second, a 27-second lead over Labonte before the pit stop, and now they're both up racing speed, and they are nose-to-tail between turns 5 and 6, and Neil Bonnet lags behind by 12 seconds. The battle is joined as Labonte looks to the end inside cannot get around that way then he looks to the outside of Ricky Rudd can't get around that way so he trails him downhill uphill into turn eight that very tough right-hander and Rudd is holding off Labonte with just a few laps to go Ricky Rudd your leader coming off turn eight making the left-hand turn onto the straightaway Terry Labonte about four car lengths behind them as they start to get up to speed and Rudd snakes his way down the back stretch to try to break any chance of Labonte catching his draft. He's about seven car lengths ahead of them as they go over that dip, bottom out, and come up through underneath the bridge. Well, cast my vote for the Timex Award to Bud Moore and that crew for getting the rut on and off pit road in a real hurry. That The core of that team has been together, I think, Barney, for eight years or longer, more so than anybody else up and down pit road. And that shows when you got a team that works for a long time, works well together, and they really pride themselves on getting that car off pit road in a hurry. That was one reason Bud Moore was so glad that Ricky Rudd decided to stay with him for another year because he said we think we finally got things ironed out on this team. Rudd told us that the driver at Riverside can make a tremendous difference. It's a lot of fun here. You know, this is a driver's racetrack. A driver can make up for, uh, say, a car that's not quite up to par. You put a good road racer in a car and he can go pretty fast. And uh, So it's one of those places like you get at Daytona or Talladega, you're only going to go as fast as your equipment. And here the driver can make up for a little bit difference and it's a lot of fun here running. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's real that you have to be aggressive with the racetrack, but yet you don't want to be so aggressive that you overheat the tires and uh, cause yourself to slow down. And you can do that here. You can drive the racetrack too hard. Rudd, right now, it is a lot of fun when you're up front and you're leading this thing with <laughs> just a few laps to go. 106 are on the board. Should be 13 more laps for Ricky Rudd if he can hold it together. Barney, Barney if they could get in, if they can win this, that gets them in the Winston. They wouldn't have to worry about the points. There'd be one spot left open there. And of course, if they win the race, they're in automatically. Otherwise, they'd have to depend on the points to try and get in it. And there are a couple of fellas there that have a shot to get into the Winston that way, unless Rudd or someone who has not yet visited Victory Lane this year wins this race today. Here's Richard Petty, winner of more Grand National races than any other driver for STP oil treatment. You don't have to race cars to know about motor oil breakdown. It happens to everyone. Even in ordinary driving, heat can weaken your oil's vital protective properties. That's motor oil breakdown. STP oil treatment has a special formula that strengthens your oil with extra lubricants and anti-wear agents to add extra protection. Do what I do. Fight motor oil breakdown with STP oil treatment. Want to save lots of money next time you fly? Say on a family vacation? Then check out Piedmont's Ultimate Super Saver Fares. They're good everywhere we fly, from Richmond to Riverside and to more than 100 other Piedmont cities in between. There are some restrictions, so call your travel agent or Piedmont soon for all the money-saving details. Piedmont's Ultimate Super Saver Fares. After all, wouldn't you rather have more money to spend on the ground? Make it a Piedmont day. That pit stop by Ricky Rudd put Darrell Walter back on the lead lap. Here's the way they're running. Now with 12 laps remaining in the 1985 Winston Cup season. Ricky Rudd, the race leader. Second is Terry Labonte. Third is Neil Bonnet. Fourth is Harry Gant. In fifth is Dale Earnhardt. Running sixth, Jeff Bodine. Seventh, the West Coast driver, Jim Bound. Eighth is Richard Petty. Ninth now is Darrell Waltrip. And running in tenth, 
Lake Speed. Those are the 10 cars on the lead lap. From Riverside, this Ricky Rudd out here leading this race, driving for Bud Moore. Bud's been in this business, it seems, just about forever. Rudd is a relative newcomer, former Rookie of the Year, and has won a couple races for Bud. And the two of them appear to be opposites in temperament and experience and their approach to things, but it works well for them, Ricky says. Well, Bud's real serious about his racing. You know, he's, he's not in it for anything other than to try to win races, and it's his business where uh, he, he's really dedicated to making it work. And, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, people in racing today that uh, that are in it, but it's just a sideline business or a hobby for him. Where this is this is Bud's livelihood, so he's very serious about it, and I'm serious about my race. And so, uh, even though we seem to come from different backgrounds, he's uh, we seem to hit it off pretty well. That's what they have in common. And as Rudd says that on tape, he crosses the start finish line to take the sign. Ten laps to go from starter Harold Kinder. Let's pause ten seconds for station identification. Bonnet and Gant having a good race for third down through the S's. They work their way through the corners up towards turn six with Neil leading that two-car parade. A little bit of smoke continues to come out of the back of the Neil Bonnet's Budweiser Chevrolet, but it doesn't seem to affect the performance as Gant trails him downhill and uphill into turn eight while the leaders are going down the back straightaway about five car lengths separating them. Bonnet. Through turn eight goes Bonnet with Gant right on his tail. Bonnet and Gant fighting for third, by the way, and they are about a straightaway behind your leaders as they come out of turn eight right now. They go by some slower traffic. Bonnet tries to break the draft on Harry Gant just a little bit, and he seems to have been successful. Begins to pull away as they go by one of the slower cars. That's going to be a good finish there this afternoon between those two, and it's heating up again between Ricky Rudd and Terry Labonte. Labonte's strong suit is here in the south end of the speedway as he is able to close up coming into turn number nine, gets right up on the bumper of Ricky Rudd, and that may be where he makes his move in the final laps here, try to get underneath him going into the corner. There's a separation now of perhaps seven or eight car lengths between Ricky Rudd and Terry Labonte. It's a goodly distance back to the third and fourth place battle as the two leaders go off turn two. Let's add something else to this whole situation. Jeff Bodine is currently fifth in the points and running in sixth spot. Ricky Rudd is currently sixth in the points and leading the race. So if that situation stays as is, Labonte they would start tightening it up. Labonte bumps Rudd going into turn six, but Rudd holds on. Labonte hit him in the left rear of the car, and Rudd just acted like he wasn't even there and just plowed ahead. Now they go into turn eight. And looks like he's going to bump him again. He does. Very tight coming through eight. And they've got one slower car. Appears to be Buddy Arrington just ahead of them. They come through a cloud of dust when someone ran off the track a little bit. They've got some lack traffic. And it'll be Buddy Arrington's four just ahead of Rudd. Rudd sweeps to the inside and ducks down as they go through the dip under the bridge. And Terry Labonte's right there with him. But he's got to contend with Arrington going into nine. So Rod has about eight car lengths of lead as they come out from under the bridge. Now Labonte, who's been going way deeper into nine than Rudd, cuts that down to about three. Now two car lengths as they get to the first inside apex of turn number nine. So Labonte, perhaps the Iceman, is melting just a bit as he's really applying the heat right now to Ricky Rudd. Lap traffic will again be a factor as they come up on Ruben Garcia and Lake Speed. The 10th place car is Speed. He is on the tail end of the lead lap. And that battle for third is a good one. Harry Gant is underneath Neil Bonnet. They went into the corner door by door to door. Bonnet kind of squeezed Gant down in the dirt. They'll race across the start finish line. Still door to door, but it'll be Bonnet taking that spot away as they head for the S's. But that battle is far from being over. It's far from being over because
because Harry Gant comes right back and tries Neal to the left side of Neal's car. Neal takes the outside route. Harry tries to shift to the inside. Can't make the pass there. So they'll go nose to tail through the S's up into turn number six. At the same time, Ricky Rudd leads Labonte by three car lanes through the corner. And Labonte had a little problem with uh, Bobby Hilla Jr. in getting through turn six. Made a very daring move in a section of the circuit you don't normally run on. A little puff of smoke again from the back of Neil Bonnet's car. Harry Gant is right there inhaling the smoke and trying to find a way to get around him as they go into turn eight. Harry Gant sitting in the back bumper of Neil Bonnet now as they work their way through eight and make the left-hand turn onto the straightaway. And Bonnet will come out of there with about three car lengths, maybe four on Harry as they begin their drag race down this mile point, 1.3 mile backstretch. And it's going to be Bonnet really opening up a lead on him now. Great to watch these two battles because up front you have the battle between the two young drivers who are good technical road racers. Drive the car smooth, don't get it out of shape, hit the apexes, come off the corner at the right time. And then the race for third has two good old boy stock car drivers. And I hate that term, but, but here it really applies. They grew up on the bull rings, the quarter mile tracks of the south, and they just get out here and throw the car around and get it around any way they can. And, and it's a much more exciting battle to watch, the battle for third spot. Jim Bound puts his car on pit road for left side tires, and this will be his last pit stop. He's trying for a top 10 finish today. He's had the best run he's had in a long, long time anywhere on the circuit at all. 11 seconds back to that third place battle from the leader right now, Ricky Rudd. They should be up about turn six. They are in turn six, and it appears that Labonte may have a little better brakes than Rudd because he can go much deeper into the turn before he lifts and brakes and shifts to take that right-hand turn six. He's about two car lengths back now as they go into turn eight. Into eight they come. They've got a slower car just up ahead of them. Rod manages to get himself on the left-hander and onto the straightaway a little bit more quickly. The Bonnie's right there with him, trying to chase him down. The laps are ticking away for Tear if he wants to win. And it looks like Ricky, coming up behind Lake Speed, has been able to really open up the margin now as they sweep up toward turn nine. We asked Terry Labonte not too long ago just about this very thing. If you've been in the hunt all day long, been right up front, led some laps, and been running second, third, and led a few... Do you know, ever know at the end of the race if you're going to win that thing or not? Oh, you know, it's, it's kind of a funny deal. I know it happened to us once before here. Uh, we ran real good. Uh, the guy won the race that he hadn't really been a factor until right there at the end. And a couple of us had just kind of raced back and forth there, and then this other guy came up and won the race. So, you know, you think if you run up front all day, you're going to have a shot at it, but you just don't ever know. But he's close within striking distance, and Labonte kind of laughed and said he felt like the reason that he had ended up with a, doing racing as a career and probably was fairly good at it was the fact that he'd never done anything else and didn't have any other trade to fall back on. You know, it's kind of, I guess in a way it's kind of a good deal because I don't have anything to fall back on, so I always try harder. So if, if you, you have something to fall back on and things get going rough, you might quit and go do something else, but I don't have nothing else to do. Well, if you don't have anything else to do, you got to be a good racer. I guess so. That battle for third spot is about 13 seconds behind the leader, and Labonte is about three-quarters of a second behind Ricky Rudd as we pick him up down at the north end of the course. They're coming off turn eight right now. Your leader, Terry Labonte, or rather your leader, Ricky Rudd, still pulling Terry Labonte down the backstretch by about eight or ten car lengths, and they're really winding it up now as they head. They've gotten by Lake Speed some time ago. They've got two more slower cars as they go into turn nine. Be five laps to go as they come around this time, and a lap past Herschel McGriff weighs him to the right side. McGriff stays up high. A couple of cars kicking dust up through turn nine, and Labonte does it again. He cuts a three-quarter second deficit down to just a one-car length margin. 
Now as they come off turn nine, Rudd is going to have to hustle because Labonte's right on his bumper. That's been his strong suit all day long is, is turn nine, getting in and off that corner. But he'll lose a couple of car lengths this time as they cross the start-finish line, work back toward the S's right now. Labonte pulls up on Ricky again. He's within a car length as they exit turn two. Just a car length now. There's going to be a good bit of race traffic ahead of them. Whether it will necessarily come into play, it's tough to tell. But there are some eight or nine cars ahead of the leaders. Ricky Rudd throws it right and then left, and Labonte follows him through. They'll work their way to turn five, now up to six. They've got five cars in front of them as they come around turn six. They may be able to pick off most of them going down the back straightaway because they should not catch up to them until that very slow turn eight. It is still Ricky Rudd out in front and Labonte is right behind him and they are now in very heavy traffic coming out of eight. They've got five cars up ahead of them and they are spread all over the place because some of the cars are fighting the position. Here's one off the track. That's Robinson. He's off onto the dirt sliding around as Ricky Rudd and Labonte go by. They go underneath the J.D. McDuffie car and down underneath the bridge. Meanwhile, Robinson fights the car and gets it back onto the back stretch. So up from under the bridge comes Rudd, and again, Labonte is, well, perhaps about six-tenths of a second behind. Traffic again is a factor getting into nine, and Rudd has to lift the throttle early for Robinson as he works underneath Derek Cope's car. And once again, Labonte is there. He's just a car length back of Ricky Rudd filling up his rearview mirror, but Rudd now has room on the inside to pull out a turn number nine, come back to the start-finish stripe, and this time it's Labonte that has to deal with the lapped car. It's pinched a little high to the outside. So four laps to go at Riverside Raceway. This is MRN, the Motor Racing Network. Labonte is not about to give up. He chops it down to a couple of feet this time on Ricky Rudd in turn number nine. As he tried to move underneath him going in the corner, he just couldn't do it. And Rudd has his hands full, and you can bet he knows it. Here's Labonte at the start-finish line, half a car link back. And he's going to put the heat on the next couple of turns around as they head up to the S's and Eli Gold. He may make his move there at turn two. Labonte looked at the outside, now to the inside, but he had all the room he wanted, couldn't make it go. And now he'll try to pass Ricky to the inside. Now to the outside in turn three. He's just jockeying each way back and forth, totally disregarding what had been his line of the last 115 laps or so. They're up to turn six. They still hound each other. Labonte about half a car length behind going around turn six. And he seems to fishtail a little more coming out of six than does Ricky Rudd. Drops to a car link back going into turn eight as they slow down for eight. Tucks up behind him again about half a car length as they come out of turn eight. Rudd has about two car lengths now as they come out onto the straightaway. Before it was bumper to bumper in the last lap. Now Ricky Rudd's got to really put the hammer down. This is the drag race. He's snaking up and down. Or should I say back and forth on the backstretch to break the draft. Opens up to about a five car length margin going out of the short, uh, the straightaway and up into turn nine. The advantage that Rudd had with fresh tires from that pit stop is now gone. As those tires have worn and the two cars are just about equal. Labonte's car having stopped earlier would be a bit lighter with a lighter fuel load, but they are just about evenly matched this time at turn number nine, and again, it is just one car length that separates Ricky Rudd from Terry Labonte. Well, you've heard both these drivers say that driver ability, you'll find out if you have any at Riverside, California. Rudd said a driver can make a big difference here. Labonte has basically made the same statement, and that is exactly true. It now comes down just to these two drivers themselves. The crews can't do a thing for them, Eli Gold. It's all up to them. Not a thing here. It's up to them to fight it out. They'll each take the more conservative line this time. Labonte's not what you would call within striking distance, merely a car length or a car length and a half behind. They close in on the John Soares car. They'll dispose of him in six. Coming into six, and Soares gets to the outside and lets those two competitors 
go at it. Surrey's almost took a piece out of Labonte as they come out of six, but Labonte held on to it. About a car length behind him now into turn eight. And uh, the T-Bird, oddly enough, seems to have the torque to pull away as they go down the back straightaway. Off the back turn eight now and onto the back straightaway comes Ricky Rudd, and he's beginning to stretch it just a little bit. Again, he snakes his way back and forth across the straightaway as they go down the dip down below and come up underneath the bridge and head for turn nine. It's about seven car lengths for Rudd. Labonte is about seven or eight car lengths back, and as we said, he has been driving into turn number nine all day, almost like a kamikaze pilot in one sense, although he's been able to keep that car under control, knows exactly what he's doing. He came in the corner this time, six or seven car lengths back, and in the middle of the turn, there'll be two laps to go as they cross the start-finish line. One lap to go, correct me, as they zip down. White flag for Ricky Rudd. Can he keep that car out there? Maybe keep Labonte back and make him finish second here. Both of them have been getting around here extremely well. We'll find out as they're heading for the final lap. Well, this is the end of the racetrack where you can keep the Ford wound up just a bit and going uphill. It would seem that all day the Fords had the edge over the Chevrolets in this portion of the racetrack. Right and left they go through turn four up to turn five. Ricky Rudd leading by a car length and a half to six. Labonte chops it down, looks to the outside. Now right up behind him on the inside. Goes to the outside at turn six. He still cannot get around him. And now they're coming up on slower traffic as they approach turn eight. This could be a factor. It may take away Rudd's opportunity to snake and try to break the draft. Labonte may be able to stay with him going down the chute into nine this time. They go left onto the back stretchers. About eight cars all the way down the straightaway ahead of them. And here they come. Ricky Rudd on top right now, moving up behind Clark Dwyer. He'll come up and try to draft off Dwyer and go into turn nine as they come underneath the Bosch Bridge. The difference between a winning and a losing season for Ricky Rudd all comes up in the next 3,000 feet. Right here at turn number nine, and there are eight lapped cars ahead of them. Rudd takes about a two-car advantage into turn nine. Labonte goes way in deep, kicks up a little dust, cuts it down to a car length. They'll come around off the corner. Labonte has to make up a length and a half to win it. He chases him out of the corner, tries to make a move on him to the inside, and Labonte almost lost the car coming out of the turn, and Ricky Rudd will win the Winston Western 500 to get himself the first victory of 1985. Labonte will finish second. The third-place battle is stretched out a little bit. It's going to be Neil Bonnet in that one, I think, as he comes out of the turn with a healthy advantage over Harry Gant. Bonnet will finish third. Fourth position will go to Harry Gant. As they wind down the season at Riverside, California, and Ricky Rudd holds on to win. A lot of smoke. Buddy Arrington looks like a spun up at turn number nine. This race, of course, still running the rest of the field of the checkered flag. I believe that is Arrington's car, the Vinton Motors Ford Thunderbird. And behind him, still a couple of battles on the racetrack. Here come Ron Bouchard and Jim Bowne fighting for positions in the top ten. Then it'll be Jeff Bodine. And finally, Richard Petty and Darrell Waltrip were battling for ninth and 10th positions as they came around on the white flag lap. Arrington's car sits down at the bottom of the racetrack, so the caution will wave along with the checkered flag for the rest of the cars that will come around to the finish line. And so Mike, Mike Joy, one of the first teams to congratulate Bud Moore, was next door to him, the Piedmont Airlines team. Wayne King and the crew came over, and Bud's with me. Bud, uh, congratulations on a super team effort here. Well, you know, we ran off a good year all week, and the car just handled beautiful all day, and uh, we got behind them with that flat tire. We were a little bit thin, but once we got caught back up with the caution flag, uh, we knew we had a good shot all week to win the race car, to run awful good all week, and I'm glad for Ricky, myself, and Motocraft, and uh, all the other people involved that we had a good race and we won the last one. you got to be awfully proud of your young driver. He really held off the last few laps. Yeah, he ran a real good race there the last 15 laps to hold Labonte off, and uh, I'm just looking forward to next year.
Terry Labonte is just coming out of turn number nine after giving it all he had. And, Terry, this is Barney Hall up at the tower. Can you hear us? Yeah, Barney. Well, you gave it a good shot, partner, but it just wasn't there. But you certainly don't have anything to hang your head about this afternoon. You almost did it, but he just had too much, didn't he? Right there, Ricky was going to be tough. He had problems there at the start. Uh, he came back, and he just was a little stronger than we were, but uh, uh, we're still pleased to finish second. Well, congratulations on a good run here this afternoon. It's a shame the way both you guys won that you couldn't have been in victory lane, but it was a good one. Thank you. NASCAR Today continues on the Motor Racing Network. Championship, and we'll be talking with some of those folks in just a moment. As Ricky is making his way to victory lane, let's take you back through the top five. Rudd, the winner, finishing second, Labonte. Neil Bonnet will finish third. Harry Gant, fourth. And Earnhardt will finish in fifth position. Quickly, let's check in with Ned Jarrett. Well, they pulled the first five cars excepting the 15 of Ricky Rudd into the Unical gas pumps here and Neil Bonnet who finished third. Neil, you had a good run here today. Yeah, and they had to, you know, we stayed in there all day long. I, I never ran good in practice and qualifying and all and changed the car this morning and we ran pretty decent all day. I'm tickled with it. I know some bruises on the other side of that car. Look like you've been on one of them short tracks back in the Carolinas. Yeah, I tell you, we, I went up through the instance there trying to use up a little bit of the racetrack and got into a slow car, but you know, we were protecting fourth place today, and I think we ended up fourth in a point, so it's good for us. Well, that was a good run for you. Congratulations on a good year, and look forward to 86. Thank you, Ned. Well, we'll be able to catch up with the champion here before too long, get the thoughts of Darrell Walter, perhaps, and let's see what's going on with Jerry Punch. Well, Ricky Rudd just climbed out of the motorcraft forward in victory lane, and Ricky, uh, first of all, congratulations on a tremendous win today. Well, thanks a lot. You know, this motorcraft forward really run good for us today. I had a flat tire in the early goings, and put us down quite a bit, and I, you know, I think, oh, we most of this to the pitch strategy. Those guys did a heck of a job. Bud decided to change four tires at one time, and a lot of the guys changed two, and I think it might have made the difference at the end. We were in the pits and watching Bud and Greg and the motorcraft crew. They were trying to decide what to do, and they, they did a lot of estimating, and you can't say Bud Moore is not a mathematician, not a, not a wise, wise, I wouldn't call him old, but a wise crew chief. Uh, that last pit stop really gave you the shot. Well, you know, they chose the right tire starter. Everything worked right. They changed the wedge in the car a little bit. It really ran good. But I tell you, we really probably owe this win to the guys back at the shop, the guys in the motor room, all the guys back home that didn't get a chance to come out here. Those guys have really been struggling. If you knew what it took to get a Ford motor to run on a road course, I'm telling you, those guys have earned it because we really have lacked acceleration, and those guys went to work, and we had a motor today that pulled awful good off the corner. Well, a big win for you. It puts you in the Winston next year and also puts you back on the winner's circle. I know you've signed with Motorcraft and you and Bud Moore. You're looking forward to a pretty good 86 year. Well, we really are. You know, when you end like this, you hate for the season to be over. And all the people from Motorcraft, a lot of the people from Ford were here today. So, you know, we picked a good time to do this. What about the Winston? I know everyone was, you were hoping to get in by via the points, but now it's a, it's a lock. You're in the Winston, and uh, that's got to mean a lot to win in the Winston Western 500 and all the all that Winston does for racing. I like You'd probably like to pick up that 200 grand. Well, R.J. Reynolds does a lot for the sports. You know, we'd be lost without him, and uh, the Winston means a great deal of money. Not only that, the, the NASCAR Winter Circle program. So this win today was worth over $300,000 to the team, and, you know, we can use every penny. We need to do some more research and development, and it takes a lot of money to do that, and I think uh, we'll have a little spending money next year. Well, certainly a win well-deserved. Again, congratulations. Thanks a lot. That win means an awful lot to the Budmore team, money-wise, in the 1986 season. It also puts them, as he said, into the Winston and puts them on the winner's circle. Let's check in with Ned Jarrett again and see if he's caught some of the other finishers. Well, Dale Earnhardt in the Wrangler, Mr. Goodrich car, finished in fifth place here today. Not a bad run, Dale. Well, it wasn't, Ned. We got a little bit loose. Uh, 
Uh, was losing a little bit uh, on them down the backstretch through the gears. They seemed to pull me a little bit, and uh, they beat me a little there, and, and we got a little loose, so it was a combination. But, you know, we're lucky to finish fifth. Had a pretty good year, won four races. Like I uh, wish all my fans and friends a uh, happy uh, Christmas and uh, uh, Thanksgiving and everything coming up here, and we'll see them next year in Daytona. I know you're anxious to get out in the woods and chase some of them deers. D-W-E-R-S. Yeah, Neil and uh, Richard Childers and Neil Bond and I are going to go to Alabama and hunt tomorrow and uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, so hopefully we'll have a good time. Well, he's quite an outdoorsman, uh, Barney. Well, he's kind of, he has mixed emotions about the season being over, as you heard him tell us a little bit earlier this afternoon, but he had a good run here today, and he'll be tough again in 1986, along with about two-thirds of the field. <laughs> That's true. Well, they've awarded the Goodies Headache Award, to nobody's surprise, to Bill Elliott after that transmission trouble, and then a further pit stop later on when he ran out of gas. The Elliotts did everything there possibly was to do in this sport this season, except win the Winston Cup. That will go to Darrell Waltrip, and we'll have his comments certainly before we leave the air today. We'll also bring you up to date on the Winston Cup point stand back through the field and also on some of the other championships, Bush Pole Award and so forth that have been clinched or may or may not have been. Let's vote the Timex Timeliest Move of the Race Award. That's $500 from the official timekeeper of NASCAR to the driver who oh. made the single timeliest move, we believe, during the, the race, and the MRN broadcasters will vote that. And Barney, I guess I already committed myself when Bud Moore made that pit stop and got Ricky back on the racetrack in, in such fine fashion ahead of Terry Labonte with the lead. I said, well, that would be my vote, and, and that'll stand up. That'll be my nomination. Well, it would almost have to be. I, I think I will second that to begin with here because the, that no doubt won Ricky the race. You heard him say so as much in victory lane, and it was a it was a gamble, but it paid off, so it had to be one of the more timely moves, and any time you win the race, you've made a timely move. For another nomination, let's go up to Eli Gold. Well, you know, I'm going to nominate the same man, but for a different reason, since you have adequately covered the activity in the pits, we hearken back to lap 38 when Bob Kennedy blew an engine directly in front of Ricky Rudd. His car started spinning. Ricky had to make some very quick, evasive maneuvers, and like we said earlier, once you're on your rhythm through the S's, it's tough to break that rhythm. Ricky managed to wrestle the car away from the problems and that too was a timely move so I'll further nominate Ricky Red. Bob Steinbrink? Well I'm going to nominate uh, Bud Moore and uh, Moore's team and Ricky Rudd because uh, if Labonte had gotten out ahead of Rudd there was no question I think Labonte would have won the race because Rudd could not put him away. They were that evenly matched so it has to be that pit stop. Dave Sutherland? Well we have one other to mention up here, that was Jim Robinson, who at one point when the battle was really being waged by the leaders, got off course coming out of turn eight and got into the sand, could easily have bounced back out onto the racetrack, but kept on racing through the dirt until everybody had gone on by him. But uh, pit work sometimes is what wins the races, and it certainly was here. So let's go with Bud Moore and the crew. Jerry Punch. I'll have to echo that, Barney. I was standing in the pits, and I watched them trying to figure, and I watched Bud Moore and Greg Moore and all the crew, and they are trying to decide the pit stops. And, and I think that, that pit stop that put him back out, Bud Moore was standing there. It looks like he was just an orchestrating a, an orchestra or a symphony. He was saying, drop the car, drop the car. He was watching Labonte come out of, out of turn nine. They dropped the car, got him back out. I'd say my vote has to go to Bud Moore and all the motorcraft crew. Ned Jarrett. Well, certainly that uh, he's already won it, and, and deservedly so. But there's two others that I think certainly needs an honorable mention here today or deserves one, and that one is Darrell Waltrip, the Junior Johnson Budweiser crew. They did what they had to do early in the race, got those five points, settled back, ran the race that he needed to win to win the Winston Cup championship. And, of course, uh, he is now the 1985 Winston Cup champion. Another 
deserved mention should go to Harry Gant because I'll tell you, he had that car completely out of control several times coming off of turn nine. And one time in particular, I was looking directly at it. To pull her back in, that was a very timely move. That uh, congratulations to Bud Moore and their team for winning the Timeless Move Award. So they'll take home $500. However, Ricky wants to split it up with the team or whatever, that will be their own affair. But it was a well-deserved deal for them. There's no question about that. A look at the NASCAR Winston Cup final point standings, unofficially, of course, when we come back. Back at Riverside, California, it's all over for the 1985 Winston Cup season. Darrell Waltrip's seventh-place finish wins him the championship here this afternoon. Let's check in with Ned Jarrett and see if he's caught up with him. I certainly have, Barney, and he's a happy individual. Darrell, congratulations. <laughs> Praise the Lord, uh, Ned, and thank him for a great day and a, a great year. We uh, are very humbled by our success today, and uh, we just look forward to a lot more races like today and want to say hi to everybody at home, mom and dad and Stevie's mom and dad and all my Bible study buddies that got together today to watch us on TV and thank everybody that has uh, anything to do with the car, Budweiser, Valvoline, Kentucky Fried Chicken and so on and so forth. Good year. They did a great job for us all year. Everybody that's helped us accomplish this feat, uh, we owe them a lot. Darrell, your feelings about you saw uh, Elliot have his problems early, and, of course, there had been so much build-up to this thing, you know, and everybody said, well, it would be nice to see them both run down to the end. Your feelings on it? I never really thought we both would. I always thought that one or the other would probably uh, have problems because of the amount of the intense pressure that was on both teams to perform well today, and uh, that's hard on everybody, and our guys reacted to it very well and handled it very well. And uh, the car was just flawless. I never had a moment's problem with it. It drove and run and handled like a champ. And uh, I wish I could have run up near the front longer, but I just got a little tense. I led that lap, and I, I wanted to lead more, and Junior said, uh, that's all that's necessary. And uh, so I backed off and rode from there on. But basically, I kept the pace up pretty good. You did prove there early that, that you had the car. When you went up there and took the lead, got those five bonus points, was it hard sitting back there knowing you had that car? Well, you know, for a long time, I rode right there where I could see everybody. And that made me I said, well, if I could ride right here and see everybody, then if I things went my way at the end, I could go up there and challenge. But... Uh, you know, due to pit stops and things getting turned around a little bit and then getting kind of ultra-conservative right in the middle of the race. I really got to thinking about about middle ways. Uh, I said, you know, man, you better hold off here just a little bit and not abuse this thing any more than you have to. And then at the end, I run a few hard laps. I, I, I was really practicing. I chased Richard down there just to see if I could or not. Well, it's going to be a busy winter for you. Thank, thank the Lord again, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I love every minute of it, and uh, I love being the champion. Well, Stevie? Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I just I don't know what to say. The year started out so slowly, and it's just such an honor to to even be in the point race. And I just thank God for letting us be a part of his victory. How nervous were you? I started out pretty nervous, but uh, <laughs> um, that was before the race. And then I talked to a, a good friend of mine and kind of got my thoughts together and, and what was really important. And, and uh, I kind of settled down there. Okay, of course, Stevie is Daryl's wife, real fine couple, new champions of 1985. Well, he deserved it because uh, either it's as we always say at the end of a season, it's a shame that you can't have more than one champion because in my book they're both champions and with all the drivers as far as that goes. Let's quickly take you back through the field a bit. Ricky Rudd wins, Terry Labonte finishes second, Neil Bonnet third, Harry Gant fourth, Dale Earnhardt fifth, Jeff Bodine sixth, Daryl Waltrip will finish seventh, eighth to Richard Petty, ninth position to Lake Speed, Ron Bouchard will finish in tenth. And a couple of good runs for two of the West Coast drivers. 
Jim Bowne is posted with an 11th place finish, and Glenn Stewart will come in in 12th. So not a bad run for the West Coast guys here today either. No, Jim Robinson will be 13th, and he'll be the Winston West stock car champion, defeating Herschel McGriff. 14th to Bobby Hillen. Finishing up in 15th was Derek Cope, another West Coast driver. Uh, back in the 16th position, let's put Ruben Garcia. Back in 17th would be Herschel McGriff. He was played with rear-end problems toward the end of this race. Bill Schmidt finished 18th, 19th to Bobby Allison, 20th to Jimmy Means, 21st to Greg Sachs. Back in 22nd was Dave Marcus, 23rd was J.D. McDuffie, and 24th was Ken Schrader. That's as far back as we have the finish at this time. In the race for the Winston Cup, Waltrip is the champion. In fact, hardly any change in the top 15 from when we came to Riverside. Waltrip wins it. Elliott We'll get second-place awards at the NASCAR Banquet. Gant will be third, Bonnet fourth. And the battle for fifth is the one that's up in the air. Ricky Rudd's win today, combined with leading at least one lap, gained him enough points to put him at 3,857 points. Jeff Bodine's finish also puts him at 3,857. Now, if Rudd led the most laps, and we're trying to check now on that, he would take fifth in the point parade. Uh, but even if not, if they are tied, a provision of the NASCAR rulebook says that in case of a tie, it's broken first by the driver with the most victories. Bodine did not win this year. Rudd winning today apparently would move up a notch in the Winston Cup point standings to fifth. Bodine would drop to sixth, and this is all unofficial, of course. Terry Labonte would finish seventh. Eighth would be between Dale Earnhardt and Kyle Petty. Lake Speed will be tenth. Then Tim Richmond, Bobby Allison, Ron Bouchard, Richard Petty, and Bobby Hillen would round out the top 15 in the Winston Cup point standings. Elliott has already clinched just about everything else. The Unical 76 Winners Fund. He's clinched the Bush Beer Pole champion uh, standings, the Gatorade Circle of Champions, and looks like the champion spark plug rookie of the year would be Kenny Schrader over Eddie Beerswall. That's yet to be voted on, the non-competitive aspects of that standings. Ernie Elliott would win the Michigan Engine Bearings Engine Builders point standings. And for the third year in a row, Chevrolet is NASCAR's manufacturer's champion. Uh, although Chevrolet and Ford each had 14 victories on points, the best finish for each make of car in each race, Chevrolet has clinched that championship as well. And there's one more big title yet to be decided, the Goodies Race for the Money sweepstakes. Earlier this year, we drew, or this week, we drew the grand prize winner, and Eli Gold talked to the winner, Marjorie Elder of Louisville, Ohio, We'll be going to Daytona courtesy of Goodies and Piedmont Airlines and Ocean's Eleven Resorts and the folks here at MRN. Do you remember ever entering a contest for Goodies Race for the Money? I sure do. Well, Marjorie, this is Eli Gold with Motor Racing Network, and of all the thousands of people who have entered the contest, we have selected you as the winner for the 1986 Dream Vacation here in Daytona Beach for the Daytona 500 and all the other events during Speed Weeks 86. Would I lie to you? No, you wouldn't call me long distance. That's right. Uh, how many times? How many times did you enter the contest? I I don't know, but it wasn't that many. Oh, that'd be wonderful! I can't believe it. Well, congratulations, and we thank you very much for entering the contest. Well, thank you for picking me. I'm just thrilled. Well, good. We'll see you here in Daytona in February, Margie. Thank you. Okay. Bye. 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 Well, that was one very happy lady. Marjorie Elder of Louisville, Ohio, will go to Daytona, stay at the Treasure Island Inn on Daytona Beach, get $1,000 cash, round-trip tickets on Piedmont from the closest airport they serve to her home, and a host of other prizes. And we'll look forward to all meeting her down in Daytona for Speed Weeks and look forward to a new and even bigger goodies race for the money next year. Our thanks to all the 20,000 people that entered the contest during 1985 and invite your participation again next year. Well, it's all over but the shouting, and there's going to be a bunch of it. I know Bud's headed up for Circus Circus in Las Vegas, and I hope he doesn't leave all the money one today at Mel Larson's place. And 
Amel also provided uh, a week's worth of accommodations and just about everything they could want to both Darrell Waltrip and Bill Elliott. Usually awards are just the Winston Cup champion, but Mel, who's a former Winston Cup driver himself, said, well, they both had such a season. Why don't you both come on up and be my guests? We'll put you up in one of those penthouse suites and, uh, and have a good time. So the season's wound down, and what a season it's been, Barney. Well, if it's anything like we've seen in the last few years again in 86, and I'm sure it will be, there will be a lot of surprises. You heard Jerry Long say they were going to spring some new things on us in New York at the Waldorf in a couple of weeks up there for that. But I think in addition to that, the competition next year will be back like it was maybe a year ago when we had, what, 15, 16 cars running up there about every race. Elliott surprised everybody this year, I think, after about the midway season when he just dominated the super speedways. But as Junior Johnson kind of put it into perspective here this week, he says everybody is kind of caught up now, and he thinks next year might be the best we've ever had in Winston Cup racing. Before we leave the air, I'd personally like to take a moment to thank all the guys that have worked with us on MRN this year and of all the PR directors and speedway owners who have been so kind to us and helping us at different racetracks around the circuit, and we look forward to working with you again in 1986 and hope they have some happy holidays. Well, I'll echo that, Barney, and also to the radio stations that carry these broadcasts, and especially to you folks that listen at home through your cards and letters to the radio stations. It helps keep Motor Racing Network on the air in your town. So over the winter months or the next few weeks when these radio stations are planning what they might put on the air, for sports programming in 1986. Take a minute, drop them a line, and tell them that you enjoy the broadcast because that goes a long way toward help keeping MRN on the air. On today's broadcast, our thanks to Lynette Morical and Carol Savias on the scoring loop, Jack Canavan, Bill Sloboda, and Wes Cooper, our spotters today, our assistant engineer, Nelson Crozier, and our chief engineer, Bryant Cooper, has certainly had a, a season of some new equipment, some new things to try, and they've done a tremendous job helping us give you the best possible broadcast. Also, our thanks to Al Ugard for sponsoring our in-car radio with Terry Labonte today that was provided by Nelson Crozier and Nelson Specialties. For the entire MRN broadcast crew, and especially for Ned Jarrett, our two-time Grand National Champion, Barney Hall, this is Mike Joy congratulating everybody that participated in such a super season of 1985. We'll talk to you Friday night in two weeks from the Waldorf Astoria, the NASCAR Winston Cup Awards Banquet, and then it's Daytona in February. Have a good and happy winter and Thanksgiving, and as Dale Earnhardt said, all that other stuff, Christmas and everything. See you now. The Motor Racing Network's coverage of the NASCAR Winston Cup Series from the Riverside International Raceway has been sponsored by Anheuser-Busch, Brewers of Bush Beer, Head for the Mountains of Bush by STP Corporation. Depend on proven performance, STP, your car care company. By Piedmont Airlines, the up-and-coming airlines. By Skoll, moist smokeless tobacco. A pinch is all it takes. By Pontiac. At Pontiac, we build excitement. By Wrangler Brand, live it to the limit in Wrangler. By Levi Garrett Chewing Tobacco, time after time, the quality comes through. By Timex Watches, the official timekeeper of NASCAR. By Union Oil Company, the winning spirit rides with you every time. By Gatorade Thirst Quencher, give your body what it's thirsty for. And by Ocean's Eleven Resorts on beautiful Daytona Beach. The general manager of the Motor Racing Network is John McMullen, chief engineer Brian Cooper, director of affiliates Mark Garrow, assistants Bobby Cantor and Pat Hensley. This is Rick Lewis asking you to stay tuned to most of these stations for the road to the Winston Cup from the Waldorf Astoria in New York City, Friday night, December 6th. This broadcast was a presentation of MRN, the Motor Racing Network, a division of International Speedway Corporation. This week's MRN Classic Race has been brought to you by Hercules Tires.